This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, my name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are, well, off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Alex Cook and Austin Wong are here to chat about two films that have had recent reincarnations, Heathers and Hellboy. Welcome! Hello! Hey! (laughs) Thank you for being here today. Yes, we've had a very rowdy conversation even before we started because, you know, with COVID and all that kind of stuff, we three do not get together very often. So it's always lovely to see your faces and have this kind of chit chat. Hmm. Yes, indeed. We should get together more often. We definitely should. You know, with us being vaccinated and all that kind of stuff, we'll definitely be doing that soon. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So... Um, we had a, a little discussion about what movie we're going to start with. We're going to start strong. We're going to start with Heather's because apparently Alex and Austin have a lot to say about Heather's. <laughs> you know, let's, let's just get started. Let's do this. Okay. Well, I, I want to just start by saying that I requested to do this episode because when I saw you had Heather's, Heather's is probably my favorite movie of all time. And if not my favorite movie of all time, it's definitely top five. Like, I have watched this movie so many times. I can mm. quote the entire movie to you from front to back. And, and um, it, it's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I would frequently co- quote this movie and people didn't know what I was talking about it because it's so old, but it's so, so good. And it's also basically, I would say, the godparent of every single sort of mean girl teen movie that came after, including Mean Girls, which is a movie I also love and can also quote. Um, but Heathers really did it first and did it sort of the meanest because no other movie except for maybe Jawbreaker has like a body count (laughs) yeah it's uh I I knew it was crazy but I I, every time single time I rewatch it I'm like god this is demented like who made this movie but um I kind of it's not that I don't like the movie. I think I've had a different experience with this movie. I think, A, I watched it too late the first time, like in my life trajectory in general. Right. Um, and then I haven't watched it often enough because even when I put it on to watch it, I thought I remembered what it was about. But then when I watched it, I was like, that's not what this is about. I know they're supposed to be mean, but. I don't, oh. I don't even know what's going on. It's first, totally cuckoo banana pants. Like, Yeah, it really, really is. And I'm sorry, the shoulder pads for days was driving but, me crazy. But, oh, okay. yes. but that is the 80s. Like, the, it like, is the 80s. Part yeah. of it is, this movie is literally made in the 80s. So it's mm-hmm. not just an homage to the 80s. Yeah. It was, it's, it's a product of the 80s. So yeah. you have to just, ex- you have to roll with the time. Like, you know. Yeah, but, no, I didn't but, have a, I didn't have a problem rolling with it. That wasn't that not really what I was getting at. Like I was just, I was very fascinated by the level <laughs> of shoulder pads. Yes. But, you know, I will say one thing I will say to the point about the shoulder pads is that one thing that I appreciate about Heather's that I, well, that I feel is something that you should appreciate about Heather's is that even at the time when it was released in the eighties, people did not dress that way. Like girls in high school did not wear color coordinated shoulder padded power suits 
with matching skirts and and brooches in that in that manner like they would wear brooches they would wear whatever but like that particular outfit style was very much sort of a an invention of this movie like the whole movie is very heightened and very cartoonish and everything is exaggerated and it's very much yeah. its own world so the, I, I mean it's it's clearly dated in some ways because it is from the 80s like the soundtrack especially which i think is genius and should never be changed but it's very very 80s but the thing I did always think is that it is sort of timeless because it's not really representative of the eighties. It was exaggerated even then. And so it's always existing in its own world, its own little bubble. And also the fact that the, the filmmakers created their own teen slang specifically for this movie, like out of whole cloth, like everything they say in this movie is just their own made up thing. Like for the girls saying things, like how very instead of any other kind of like they just leave it that way or or like you know things that became more iconic like fuck me gently with a chainsaw like these types of things you know they just sort of made up and I think it was a very stylized way of having their characters talk and it wasn't sort of riffing off of the trends of the day so it, it just always sort of was their own thing. I think since then people have used some of these things. Like I think people said, "What's your damage?" for quite a long time after this. And there are some other things that as recently somewhat... as last year, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think they made an effort to be unique. And that they also started a trend in that respect because I would say like a movie like Clueless is the same way where the outfits yeah. were like no teenage girl dressed like that. I don't care if she lived in Beverly Hills like that that yellow kilt suit, like that's not, that's not a real garment that a real person ever wore. (laughs) And the same with the, she's a full on Monet and like, yeah, starting your, setting up your own language and whatever, like. Yeah, yeah. it has a template for sure that was used by subsequent mean girl movies, which I, and I like all of them. And I feel like (laughs) they all kind of, kind of, but they follow yeah, first. no, Heather's was sort of the trailblazer of a lot of things culturally. But yeah, yeah I mean, w- definitely, like even watching the movie this time around, like I sat there looking at, at it and I was like, oh, this is Mean Girls. Oh, this is Clueless. Oh, this is Juno. Oh, this is this. This is that. Yeah, this is whatever. And you can, all it's yeah. very obviously the source material for a lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily notice. Cause like, yeah, like I think. I was not a teenager in the 80s. I was a teenager in the 90s. So like mm-hmm. I saw this movie at a formative age, but they were like older and cooler. And also I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 and I'd just been stuffed into private school. So it like resonated. It would but- <laughs> resonate for you in that situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's funny too though? It's like that movie was like released in theaters. I didn't see it in theaters. Like it was kind of a huge bomb in theaters. It kind of became- to learn this. You know? I don't even think it came to Peter Rowe, to be honest. I doubt it would have come to Peter Rowe. It was not a wide release, a successful release. It became popular on video because like home video became a big thing, like 80s, 90s. And that's when we discovered it, like my friends and I discovered it. And we just kept renting it over and over again. We watch it all the time. And and I feel like that's how this movie became popular. It was only because people watched it at home. Well, this is where the idea of like a cult classic comes from, because people are just like, what the hell is a cult classic? Well, it used to be like a movie that went to the theater that nobody saw, but everybody rented for some reason because they were bored. And then everybody watched it and just like, have you seen this? This movie is amazing. But technically it was a box office flop, right? And I mean, like now it's a little different having like a cult classic. You can't really have a new cult classic because 
everybody's watching everything because everything is everywhere all the time for some reason. And so it's it's slightly different. Um, people are backwards because now it, the cult classics are the ones that go into the theater repeatedly instead of it, yeah. the other way around. Exactly. That's like the room or whatever that like there's no reason anyone's going to watch that at home. It's only if you can throw stuff and yell. That's a really <laughs> good point because it's it's just a communal experience to mock it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's not even thing. it's not even really to mock it sorry it's not really to mock it all the time which for the room think, it definitely is I think the room it is <laughs> yeah but for like some movies it's just like a general enjoyment of being with other people that enjoy like rocky this. horror is like, like rocky time. horror that yeah movie. i was a longtime cast member of rocky horror at the floor so i've seen that movie like literally more times than i could possibly pin down <laughs> but yeah like i wouldn't sit in my house and watch it that would be ridiculous but yeah but having an excuse to go out and like holler with a bunch of like-minded idiots on a Saturday night is a fun time. Yeah. And I've only I, done it a few I times feel, Rocky War, but it is always a fun time because it's just Yeah. I feel like cats rock. might become that once we're all allowed to be in a place where we can holler amongst <laughs> strangers again. Please please don't make me watch that again. I really don't the want la- to. <laughs> guys, the last movie I saw before the pandemic lockdown was Cats and the last theater <laughs> production I saw before the pandemic was Cats. So Oh my god. I am deeply cursed and I need things to open up again so I can I don't know I don't even know what I do. How do you burn sage at an entire production anyway? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So that's something I'm living with. Obviously I'm going through something and you should be supportive. (laughs) 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 But also it would probably be really funny to watch cats in a packed theater full of I feel like people would probably find things. To, I watched that movie Alone at Home and even Alone at Home, I recognize that this is a movie that's better hurling insults at a screen because oh it was God. so bad. It was so, it, so bad. It really, yeah, yeah it really yeah. doesn't put anything to the Well, you know, when, when, yeah, when I saw it at the theater, uh, we went as a large group and it next, to you. <laughs> next to me and it was very clear nobody was there to well like two people were there to actually watch the movie yeah because i felt bad for them. they made a, a bad choice they did because i was on a friday night at young and dundas for a movie that is like been universally panned is not the moment to bring your child for a precious musical experience <laughs> yeah last and make a mess mm-hmm. <laughs> um I feel like that that movie became a cult classic almost instantly because the reviews were basically so bad that people started going to it just out of curiosity to see how bad it was. And then I started reporting that it was really fun to see this really bad movie, which is, yeah. but you know, I, I feel like this is not Heather's though, because Heather's is a very good movie in my opinion, and it's been very well received and it's not reviewed and it's not, people don't watch it because they want to say it's really bad. They watch it because it's, I mean, it's a very, unique movie and like I say like it's like the godmother of all mean girl movies so it's <laughs> I, I I can rewatch this movie endlessly and I, I will say a little anecdote so like because I talk about mean girls so much at work and I would quote it all the time and then sometimes I quote Heather's and then there were two people at work um well it was like Leandra and Stacy and they had never seen Heather's and they didn't know what I was talking about when I would quote it and I was kind of mortified that they'd never watched Heather's so they came over one night to watch it and I never told them what it was about. And so they were watching it. <laughs> and, and when the first Heather dies and is murdered and falls to the coffee table, they both were like, what the, what the? And then they, <laughs> oh thought, that God, she was gonna, they thought she was going to get back up or something. And 
but um, that yeah. she's dead. And then, and then when they continued to start murdering more people, they were, it was a very funny reaction because they were like, what is this movie? I did not know that this was what it was about because I, like afterwards they were like, you told me that it was like Mean Girls and I'm sort of like, you know, it's nothing like Mean Girls actually in a way. It just has a lot of tropes that it created that Mean Girls uses, but the movie plot is nothing like Mean Girls. Like, no, there are Mean Girls. It's just a lot more murderous than that. Yes. Yeah. And in, in comparison, the girls in Mean Girls are not really mean at all. Like, I mean, in in Heather's, they're, they're truly very, very mean to each other. Like, like, you know, even to their friends, like when one of their friends calls a self-help line because she's depressed and she knows her friends listen to it, the one girl's first instinct is to make fun of her the next day so that she'll, and then she tries to kill herself. Like, they're so terrible to each other. They're, they're very awful. Yeah. Awful. I don't yeah, know. I feel like some of the success of the movie might actually have like benefited from it bombing in theaters because yes, there's a lot, like a lot of it is like a send up of, you know, parents being all like, Oh God, the kids are into the angel dust or whatever the hell, like the, I've seen a lot of shit. I've seen a lot of shit. Angel dust, switchblades. I think I think- perverse photography exhibits involving tennis rackets. <laughs> I snorted and scared the dog at the hell. <laughs> Like, it was like, oh, yes, I love this movie. And here's one of the reasons why. But, like, but yeah, it is very much like a send up of that sort of like alarmist, like satanic panic. Oh, God, the kids are doing the pot kind of nonsense. But also, I feel like if it had been a bigger success in the theater, more parents would have cottoned on to the fact that these are like a pair of rogue high school students literally murdering their classmates for being jerks. And, like, <laughs> you know maybe that maybe they would have curtailed that on their blockbuster accounts if they know. that's true actually it's like, subject matter. it's like a sneaky movie in that sense because people didn't expect it to be about oh no, you don't know that it's yeah and i mean some of that was just the 80s because like i don't know if i've said this on here before but if you know me you've probably heard this rant but like I, as a child, like Gem and the Holograms was my like favorite show and I loved it to death and I still work in music like a jackass. So like, obviously it made an impression, but the, I watched it a couple episodes as an adult and I was just like, oh, oh, the Misfits are trying to run Gem and the Holograms off the side of the Pacific Coast Highway. Like they are literally trying to murder these people. Why was I allowed to watch this show when I was five? That's insane. I am sorry. Rewatching shows from the 80s is scary. And then people people wonder why our generation is so fucked up. I'm like, do you know what you had us looking at at that time? Yeah, the stuff that everyone was like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, um, some of it was very much not fine. But yeah, I know. The only seasons of Sesame Street have a warning label on the DVDs. (laughs) They're not appropriate for children because these kid actors were just like frolicking about unattended in a junkyard, basically. Well, that's the thing. In the 80s, people didn't realize all the things we know now. So we were allowed to do things that we would never be allowed to do now. Like just Mm -hmm. like very, very dangerous things. But yeah. Yeah. And the shows kind of reflect that in some way as well. I loved Jim and the Holograms. Like that was... I again I I one of my like best friends from when I was I probably the one I watched Heather's with when I was 12 is like every year on her birthday I call her and like sing her the theme song for Jeff (laughs) 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 we've been friends so long that I couldn't just send her the mp3 when we started she always thought it was hilarious so that's like she's made me do it at bars like it's yeah (laughs) yeah you know why it's really outrageous really outrageous yeah (laughs) yeah But the thing about Heathers too that's funny is that 
like, you know, the parents, they are sort of, everybody is sent up, right? They're all mocked in their different ways. And like, I like that Veronica's parents, like Winona Ryder's character, like her parents, they literally have the exact same verbatim conversation with her every single day. I, yep. I think that's hilarious. They just tweak what it's same about same a little same bit. Same pate. Yeah. Every everything, everything. God damn, why do I read these spy novels? Because you're an idiot. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm just you too. <laughs> well, I better motor if I'm going to hit that funeral tonight. <laughs> Yeah. But um, but even like the 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 two jocks that they end up murdering <laughs> and and uh, pretending it's a gay suicide pact, and then they prove it because they leave a bottle of mineral water. I that whole storyline is like so problematic, and the mineral water thing is so funny. I was like, I was just like, oh, I hate oh, this. I cannot stop laughing. It's so bad, but I mean, I'm doing bad. a bad thing by laughing, but I cannot help myself. It's so like it's just it's so, so well funny. set up and it's so ridiculous so fun and then the yeah. funeral with the the the, the two shots <laughs> in their coffins father. holding holding footballs and the father goes my son was a homosexual and i love him i love my dead gay son <laughs> it's, it's, okay it's okay so <laughs> okay i want i want to say one thing about that i have to say one thing about that that is super progressive and I was super impressed that that line was in there because yeah. you know there's a lot of movies in the 80s where like they find out somebody's gay and they die and they're just like fuck that guy right yeah it's just like no it's he could have told me I like, loved it years ago yeah yeah, yeah. no it's so, true. I mean it was very ahead of its time even mm -hmm. then yeah. Yeah. yeah the only parent who actually gets it at all is <laughs> this poor man who's been led astray by a bottle of mineral water. But exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's for something that is like argue that is like extremely problematic, it's way less homophobic than much more innocuous scenarios in other films of but that it's also later. Yeah. But it's also problematic in a way, but I don't I find it hard to say it's even as problematic because it's criticizing everything. Like everybody is being satir sat satirized, like yeah, of course. You know, it's not being straight up about anything, right? Like everybody yeah. is being sort of mocked in in some way. Like even like the hippie, the teacher, the like, <laughs> like everybody is like I love and and when Winona Ryder says, um, you know, uh, I hate these news reports. They're making they're eating up like like eating suicide up like a spoon. And, and the punk goes, what you think this isn't a time for a troubled. For, tr for troubled youth and went on and says, we do not want to be, um, we just want to be treated like human beings. We don't want to be patronized like bunny rabbits. And then the father goes, I don't patronize bunny rabbits. <laughs> I, I find that so funny. <laughs> the delivery is so good. It's so good, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Our parents were most excellently cast. They like, Very well cast. They, their lines are like terrible and meaningless and, and they just like, they got yeah, it. They're just right on. Yeah. 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 I feel like the messages, though, are still relevant in terms of, you know, she wants to fit in and how, much, how far along is she going to go to fit in? She wanted to be popular, but she doesn't like her friends anymore because they're so mean. But she'd rather stay popular than stand up to them. Like, I think that's something that's obviously still... Very real. Yeah, I think whether you're in school or whether you're a quote unquote 
adult, that is still a thing, right? Like you, you want to be, most people want to be part of society. Most people want to be part of something and most people want other people to want them there. Right. And everyone wants to be accepted. Yeah, they do. And I think, and I think a lot of people sacrifice who they are for that acceptance. And within this movie, yeah, she kept sacrificing, sacrificing until she became so naive that she let somebody like talk her into murdering people (laughs) and, you know, just, just to be out of that, which I just think is the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was so convinced that the people around her were evil that she did something very, very, very like, <laughs> very awful. And- yeah, like, I mean, when a guy hands you a gun and he's like, see those bullets? They're some German word. They're bullets. They, yeah, they don't they don't actually do anything. You're like, so what? It looks so you- like they're shot and what? killed, but really, they're just lying there. <laughs> yeah. I would be like, I'm still good. I don't want to use this gun. Thank you. <laughs> but she knew that she was killing them. It's just that she was kind of so deep into it with him. And that's what's interesting about this movie too. Like her friends are are definitely bad guys, but then her boyfriend who's trying to save her from the friends is even a worse guy. Like she's mm-hmm. surrounded by terrible people. And she herself is kind of a terrible person yeah. In yeah. both ways, right? Until she sort of tries to save herself. Well, because I think she's also lost touch with not just herself, but, you know, society around her kind of thing, yeah. which happens to be most people in this movie. And and one thing I also find interesting that makes her sort of, quote unquote, go crazy is that everybody, people are dying. They're being, it's being shown as teen suicide. Yes, but everybody makes this crisis about themselves, not about the people that are dying. And it's like so disturbing that you can actually see that happening like right now when anything, anytime anything happens. And you're just like, yeah, but I feel bad and I feel this and I feel that instead of like, that's the person who's dead. That's the person who's injured. That's the person who's had something yeah. horrific done to them. But you're just thinking about yourself. Gotcha. Okay. Also, the theme of like people, like everyone being like, oh, Heather Chandler was a sage, whatever. I was like, no, she was an asshole and none of you liked her. Like, she was awful. But now yeah. all of a sudden, because she's dead, she's like a hero. And like, yeah. And that's what, like, the whole Tony winning musical about that, dear Evan Hansen. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> how people, yeah, like create these completely false narratives over around a death of a young person that just like don't have any traction in reality. But that's- well, they, they basically overlook what that person was really like, which obviously when someone's dead, you're not going to go through everything that was terrible with them. But yeah. it wasn't interesting, but the movie does make the point that she's more popular than ever now that she's dead, right? Because people. Yeah. And it's interesting because now that's like a thing that happens on social media all the time, but it's always been happening. It's just the pawns were smaller, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or it didn't reach as many people as well. Well, yeah. Like it. It would have been your high school or your town or whatever, but it's still like yeah. But it's, now it's, it's like only been amplified. It hasn't been changed. I guess yeah. Yeah, it's it's very true. And that's um, what they keep, they, I feel like it keeps getting brought back up. So Heather's, as you probably know, was turned into a musical. Um, that did you know that? I did not know it was turned into a musical. Yeah, I, so, like the reincarnation. I was talking about is they, they did like a TV series last year. Yeah, they did a series. But first they did a musical and the musical is very similar to the movie, but they've softened it a little bit and they've given, you know, 
I would say that they're a little bit more redemptive in some ways, but the musical is also very excellent. I actually went to New York just to see the premiere. It premiered off Broadway at the New World. You can actually see, well, you can see the poster in my room right back there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> listeners, you're missing out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, it's it was a really good musical and uh, they actually, it's it's actually playing right now in London on the West End. Like they, it actually transferred to the actual West End. And it, interestingly, it gets a lot of um, productions in high schools. So they actually licensed it for high schools. And um, I follow the musical on social media. So I see that they post all these things and it's actually been picked up a lot. So I find that very interesting that high school students today are putting on a musical based on a movie from the eighties. That's essentially very close to the, to the original film. So, I mean, I feel like that sort of shows how it's still kind of relevant because people are still sort of engaging in, in this in this story. And then the show, um, did you Can watch the show? about the musical that, yeah, there was a Riverdale musical episode where they performed yes. half is doing Heathers. And if you want to talk about very modern teenagers rampaging <laughs> media, <laughs> and also sometimes there's a body count. Ah, Riverdale, here we are. It actually was wow. a very good, it was a good choice for Riverdale, like Heather's musical. For because they do address a lot of those same themes. And yeah. also sometimes they kill people. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that stupid show. Anyway, it is a stupid show, but I can't stop watching it. It's just so the further off the rails it goes, the happier I am. <laughs> I just have to say <laughs> that whole the plot about the farm went on far too long. I was sick of the farm. Oh, it sure did. But then it ended in such a goofy way that it was it sort of- It did. It ended kind of weirdly <laughs> abruptly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so I just wanted to bring up the, the show that you were talking right. about, Tracy. Did you watch the show? I watched the first episode and it made me angry and I stopped watching it. <laughs> um, like- like I understood what they were doing, what they were quote unquote trying to do um, based on the content that came before it. I got it, right? They switched out who the Heathers were. One was like, uh, the main girl was like a bigger girl. They kept bringing up her weight and they're like, it's okay, you can be popular and be fat. And I was like, all right, whatever. It was like yeah. one was a gay guy and yeah. one was- And one was a black girl. It was so a was black like, girl. It was yeah. all the marginalized kids were now the main bully popular kids, the main Heathers, which yes. is an interesting thing to do. Yes, which I think is- I thought it, it was, but okay. Yeah, which I think is interesting, but also slightly insulting. Um, but then like they were, I think they, they missed the campy, the actual campy spirit of Heathers yeah. and they took themselves too seriously. And so it just came across like, I know this is gonna sound redundant, but it came across as flat out just mean or not not satirical. And I was just like, nah, I'm good. I don't I don't need yeah. this. This just seems it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, I don't I don't need any more. You know, I get it. I totally get it. I, I watched the whole series just because I'm I'm such a fan of Heathers and yeah. I, I feel like and, and the series did play enough lip service to the fans of the movie that every episode there are at least two or three little like quotes or homages or Easter eggs to the film that, you know, you would point out and go, ah, ha, ha, ha. like, you know, yeah. I, I you see what followed their breadcrumb trail. I followed their breadcrumb trails. But, um, but yeah. I do get what you're saying though. And like, I had two kind of major criticisms with the series. One of them was, while it was an interesting thing to make the marginalized people now the bullies, 
what it inadvertently did was it kind of gave the right this weird tool that said, see, we knew it all along. The left are bullies and they're bullying all the poor white people because in yeah. the very first episode, it's like the fat girl and the gay guy and, and the black girl, they bully the white straight male football player for wearing a shirt that has an offensive, um, it was like an Indian team. And so they said, you realize that's cultural appropriation and how dare you wear that? And we're going to destroy you on social media. So you'll have no life and have no career um, unless you take it off right now. And so they make him strip in the, in the cafeteria just to humiliate him. And then they destroy him on social media anyway. So they kind of do things that the right accuses the left of doing all the time. And mm -hmm. they, but they're clearly the villains. So it sort of makes I feel like when it came out, the right started saying, this is a great show, which is not the endorsement you want, right? Yeah, you exactly. White kids, the hapless victims, doesn't seem like it does anybody any favors. No, no. it's an interesting idea, but it's not the execution. You don't want that. You don't want it to make it look like white, straight football players are the true victims of no. woke social justice warriors who happen mm. to be all the marginalized people because that that's the wrong message it's not true and it's the opposite it's of potentially people. dangerous well but so this is one of my biggest problems with a lot of stuff that's going on right now in the media and stuff like i am all for representation i love representation as a black woman it's nice to see people such as myself on tv and doing stuff right it, it just shocks me every once in a while but my problem is is that for some reason to make the the people diverse or whatever even like the new superman and lois movie and all show and all that kind of stuff like they made lux luther a, a black guy for some reason right or more black villains That's like it. with heathers you know they made like the fat the gay person the black person and the the fat girl they're the bad guys like they 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 want to put people in a major role, but they are rarely the hero or the protagonist or or whatever. Or they're still like the best friend or, you know, they color well, the background a little bit. But they, and they it kind of drives me crazy. They, they are, are trying to change that. Yeah. They are, like, I mean, that's what it used to be. I feel like it is trying to be. And to be fair to Heather's the series, it turns out that they are more complicated than that. Like the black girl is definitely not a villain. She's definitely more of a sympathetic character and more of a hero. And, and it turns out that the white people are actually really terrible. And the, like, it's, it, it turns out, I don't want to spoil the series for you if you're ever going to watch it, but. Do course correct, I guess, but. Just, course, yeah. can, I, can I spoil it for you? Or are you going to watch it? Cause. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. No, so, go ahead. The, the way, so, okay. The original film. Mm-hmm. Daniel Waters wrote this movie and um, he actually uh, originally wrote the ending to be that Christian Slater's character succeeds and actually does blow up the school and kills everybody in it, right? Okay. So Christian Slater's character, JD, says in the movie, um, like Winona says, why are you doing this? And he says, because the only place that different social types can truly get along is in heaven. And so yeah. he wants to kill everybody because he says, no one loves me. So yeah. in the movie, he actually does blow up the entire school and then it ends with them actually all in heaven and they all get along. So it kind of ends like he was right and oh. he kills them all. Okay. Like it's very dark, very dark. And mm -hmm. they obviously changed that ending, right? In the TV show, they actually return and they preserve the original ending of the movie. So they actually oh. kill everybody 
and blow up the school. Not only that, but in the series, Veronica, who is the hero in, like, Veronica's the hero in the movie who is starting to kill the, the popular people because they're the pop, the, the popular people are so bad. And then she just sort of falls in with JD, who's crazy. And then she, you know, they portray it. She sort of accidentally kills these people, but then she realizes that she's wrong. And so she kills him instead or tries to. But in the movie, in the show, the same plot happens. They start killing the people, but then they basically follow it that it's because Veronica's actually a psycho person too. Like you wouldn't yeah. kill someone unless you're psychotic. So she actually likes killing these people. So in the show, it turns out that both Veronica and JD are actually psychotic killers and they are fine with killing all these people. So well, the Heathers end up being the victims of, of like you end up worrying for the Heathers because you start to realize that Veronica's psychotic. And at the very end of the show, they all die because they're all blown up or murdered and they're all in heaven at the prom. And it ends with they're all now having fun at the prom in heaven and Veronica and JD are there, but no one can see them, even each other. Veronica and JD can't see each other. So that's their hell. They're just going to be alone forever and no one will ever talk to them again. And that's how it ends. Whoa. Yeah. It's There's a hard. much darker ending. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I guess it sounds like they cashed some checks that the movie tried to write, but. Mm-hmm. Well, it's okay, so, in the so it's unfortunate that nobody, like a lot of people, didn't get that far because they didn't do a good job with the setup, I guess, right? Yes, like, yeah. It's just so brutal. Like, like what you were saying, Tracy, it's so mean. Like, mm-hmm. one of the episodes is like, because in Heather's the movie, like they get killed, but in very silly ways. Like, you can't, you don't feel that awful for them, even though, because everything's so cartoonish. Yeah. You kind of accept it. And in, in the series, it's less cartoonish. And so one of the scenes is one of the Heathers, the, um, I guess it's Heather McNamara. She's like uh, the black girl in, in, in the series. Mm-hmm. She gets so depressed that she decides to kill herself. And so she cuts her wrist and then she changes her mind. And then she goes and tries to get help from her parents. But her parents are so preoccupied, they ignore her. And then she goes roller skating. And she tries to talk to her friends and then they, they ignore her. Basically everyone ignores her. So she just slowly dies. And then she dies because no one could be bothered to help her, even though Jesus. she reached out for help. So it's very dark and sad. Like that's not funny. And it's just, it was, it's kind of grim and brutal. So it was, but it, you know, it's, it's, it was making a really difficult point. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's missing the camp thing that made the original message yeah. like easily it's, transmittable. Right. Cause like, yeah. it's not, yeah, like you didn't want to cry at the end of the movie, but you got the point of it. Whereas this sounds like, oh my God. Like, yeah, ooh. I never want to watch that. It sounds awful. Yeah, very dark. When dies storylines, thank you. Had- mm-hmm. Well, even like, so the DVD has like the the other ending on it and stuff. There's an explanation why it was changed and stuff. And it was just like, they're like, your ending is just too depressing. Nobody's going to watch this. You have to change it. Like, that's all that happened. And the movie wasn't going to get made unless the ending was changed. So I think he just, you know, he was just like, let me bite the bullet. Let me, you still have the satirical ending. It's not as bleak. There's a little bit of positivity in it because they all live and she realizes things are wrong and helps the the poor girl that's been being made fun of. And he just knows he can't live in this world and offs himself off camera which is also kind of horrible but still it's just there's a slight positivity to that but yeah the original ending and the ending of the show you're just like oh there's no positivity we all 
die and are ignored. So, you know, sheep go out well, and go out. The world is so, the world is so bad that we should just all die. It's a very nihilistic ending. Mm-hmm. But yeah, her just standing on the steps, like waiting for him. I think that's iconic. It's so iconic, but like that is some stone cold crazy right there. <laughs> yeah. But also, I, but it's also like, that's why the film was so good too. Cause it's kind of a weirdly payback. So, the first time when in the scene earlier in the movie, after they've shot and killed the two jocks and she, they're sitting in the car and she realizes that she killed, they killed them. And, and she goes, so we killed them. He goes, yeah. And then she, she just impulsively takes the cigarette lighter from her car and she burns her arm with it and yeah. he grabs her arm and then he lights a cigarette off of her burning flesh, which I thought, you know, it's a, it's, it's unrealistic, but it's such a funny, weird little twist and it's so macabre okay. and there's that little sound effect of the sizzling of the okay. cigarette on her flesh. I like that at the end when he decides to kill himself, she's standing there and she puts out the cigarette, like she holds the cigarette and then he blows up and then the smoke clears and she's just standing on the stairs and all the smoke swirls around her and then her cigarette is lit and she's just smoking it. I think that's a fun call. Elegant as hell. It's just also stone cold crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that one part, like the first scene when she burnt herself, is her want to remember that she's human and has feelings and other people feel pain and he's already far gone it whereas by the end with them fighting each other and you know her trying to save people all this kind of stuff that part of her has died she's over it she's gonna watch him die and she's just gonna she's so nihilistic she doesn't even care about the people anymore that she saved she's just like you die i'm gonna walk away i think she cares i'm gonna people, i'm gonna She's definitely out. been trying really hard. That is who she needs to care about at that point, right? Yeah. There are people that she obviously does care about. It's just he's not on that list because, well, well, he she hates him. He's a crazy person. He hates him. Yes, he's a menace, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. And she thinks he's like psychotic, which she is. But like I mean, at the very yeah. end, right? She she you know she's completely covered in soot, and one would imagine his you know, some of his body parts and she walks into the school. She walks into the school all disheveled and then the Heather comes out and she's all perfectly polished and she goes, Heather, my dear, there's a new sheriff in town. And she takes that iconic red scrunchie and puts it in her own hair. So it's an interesting thing, right? Like she's just decided to take back the power. Like she's, she realizes that the futility of, of trying to suck up and how stupid it all is. And she's just, she doesn't care anymore. She's going to change things. I love that ending. And I think it's hilarious that she goes to the Martha dump truck, like the fat girl that they were bullying. And mm-hmm. she says, uh, my prom date kind of flaked out on me. Do you want to just, like rent a new release and pop some popcorn? And then the fat girl goes, I'd like that. And then as they walk away and the credits are rolling and the fat girl's in like her little motorized scooter, she does this like, little happy yes. circle around. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so stupid. It's, it's so, so funny. Funny. <laughs> Well, I yeah. think well, I think the thing is with that, like there's this whole thing about teen suicide and everybody's, you know, very worried about it and blah 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 blah. But the one person who actually tries to kill themselves, they they don't kill themselves. But I know it's just another injured. example of a geek trying to follow popular people of the school. Yeah, and you know, and I and I <laughs> I think, and I think um, the like the point of that thing is that most people miss the point of people calling out for help, or they they go yeah. the wrong way. You, you know what I mean? So they sensationalize instead of actually seeing what the actual problem is, and that's the actual problem. Okay. This is just the sensation. On, yeah, on the I mean, 
yeah, I think we all probably experienced like our parents being wound up about something where we were just like, that is utterly ridiculous. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were yeah. not looking in the right places. Like, and like, yeah, like I love my parents' death. They're wonderful. We're very close still. And like, they, you know, they did a good job. They did what they could do to like keep me mentally stimulated so I didn't turn into like a Jack Russell that ate the couch or whatever. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but also like they were super concerned about like what movies and TV I was watching. They didn't want me watching all these like murder shows and whatnot, but they didn't ever monitor what I was reading, which <laughs> and like, you know, they were super concerned about like, oh, mosh pits kill people. And it was just like, by the time they like cracked down and were like, you shall never go in a mosh pit. I was like, well, that ship has sailed and sunk. Like, <laughs> it was like, no, mosh pits are a threat to our children. It was like, there was, I mean, yeah, there was like a thing where a girl got crushed against a pillar at a Smashing Pumpkins concert and it became like a weird thing and but no that was like a thing that my parents were like very concerned about and I was like I spend my weekends like crowd surfing at the opera house it's fine (laughs) (laughs) they still don't know that (laughs) they know now but like yeah but just anyway so there's like a sort of yeah like the actual stuff that they might have been legitimately worried about and that didn't necessarily get any airtime whereas like these like hilarious nonsense things it's, like, it's well. probably true though for every single generation of parents and kids because so many things change in between when you're a kid and then when yeah. you have kids that it's probably things that you're worried about are not really as much of an issue and like I don't know I mean I have a daughter I I, I shudder to think about the things that I'm going to have to worry about that she might not think I need to worry about but I mean yeah when I was a kid too like I mean my parents were fundamentalist Christians and so you can imagine the things that they may have worried about that I didn't feel were necessarily things to worry about so <laughs> um yeah I mean especially now that you know I'm clearly a, a gay man and there's all sorts of things that you know, that entails, but I mean, you know, it's just a matter of communication and there's definitely always a gap between a kid and parents. And I think that mm-hmm. Heather's definitely talks about that a lot, like in, in terms of adults. Yeah. And Everyone's so focused on this like specter of teenage suicide and how it's become cool that nobody's worth looking at bullying, which is the actual underlying issue. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. is surprisingly still happening. Oh, oh my God! Even more. It's, it that's the like thing. It. It's the bullies just got louder, right? And they yeah. have more platforms because of social media. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there was a certain point in time in your life where you could, like, yeah, I get bullied when I go to school, but when I go home, or if I go to the mall, or if I do something else, I don't really have to worry about it. But now it's like, no, they're everywhere. They'll follow you home. They'll do horrible things. Like, you can't. It's scary to think what, like, you know, if they were to make a new version of Heather's, like, I guess they tried and like, I mean, there's so many more tools available to people to be horrible to people. Right. And and the Heather's in the movie, Heather's are truly horrible people. Like I'm sure they would find every terrible thing they could do to someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But okay. Just to switch topics from the seriousness of it, but just more on the aesthetics of this movie. um, Mm -hmm. One thing I really liked is that the, the, the characters the Heathers are like they're given colors like oh, I don't oh, think very many movies do that like the like, Heather Chandler is red she's always just in red and then Heather Duke is always green and Heather McNamara is always yellow and I feel like it's funny that when they're standing next to each other in the red 
yellow and green like they're basically the same colors of a traffic light and they're basically controlling the school they control everything that happens like there's all these sort of symbolisms but also within the colors like red is the power color that the top heather wants and then yellow is i guess like the cowardly color and everything and and that character is the weakest she's the one that's always sort of the least strong one and then the girl that's dressed in green right and the girl that's dressed in green is like envy like her whole character is she hates the the main heather because she wants to be the main heather and i mean it's kind of on the nose but i think it's also sort of a fun thing to do because the whole movie is basically showing itself to be a huge metaphor for all these different issues yeah yeah seriously right yeah they are very explicit about it which is actually kind of cool because if you tried to do that subtly it would just look like a jackass but like (laughs) they're just like nope this is it Although they those just... blue stockings made me sad, but oh. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that opening scene where they're playing croquet and they kept zooming in on their feet for some reason. Yeah. They had like the little flat pointy shoes with the- Oh, so I hate that song. That whole like, opening oh, I love that opening I love that opening scene. It's, so, it's so iconic, but also I hate it. I hate that song. No, I, I, I love I love the, I even love that version of the song where it starts with that chimey, like it's like this super happy and i even love the okay this is how much i love the movie it even (laughs) it even makes me happy to watch the animated new world pictures logo kind of go with the different stripes of the globe happening falling in 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 line with the music of kesarasara with the chiming i think it, it makes me happy like i love the whole thing about i love that the first shot is that iconic red scrunchie that how it uses to pull herself like a little crown and then that's the that red scrunchie gets passed along to the next tether that takes the crown like it's it's so obvious but i love the way they set it up i love the way they use the iconography and they just yeah no it's like visually clever as well as just being clever in general yeah well even like the way like the camera movements and the placement and the type of lens they use because there's a lot of like very extreme angles like it's either too low or too high and it's not what what is that lens like it's a wide angle lens so that everybody's face looks so extreme in the camera compared to everything else and you know it just it just it's just hyper to the emotions and what they're yeah. saying and it makes you like focus and everything just looks crazy. Yeah. Um, which I find it's, fantastic. Totally. It's very committed to its vision of being this very yeah. stylized sort of hyper real kind of presentation of all these concepts. And I, mm. and I, and, and that's why they can get away with saying these, these lines, like, you know, like when, 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 when the one Heather says, did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Uh, and then actually, um, oh, weirdly, the actress that says yeah. that actually died of a brain tumor. Like, no, yeah, she's dead, and she died of a brain tumor. So that's kind of a horrible irony. Yeah. There's also there are two weird trivia things like that because there was also another actor, the one, the guy. I don't. He's not particularly memorable in the movie itself, but just in the one like interview thing, he's like, oh, oh, suicide. I don't think I can handle that or whatever. Yeah. And then that actor actually died by suicide. No, no. not. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So it's like just, yeah, it's kind of rough. There's like these yeah. two weird like actors that, yeah, died young for. And it's so sad about that. Like, I mean, all of it's sad, but it's like, Uh-oh. I thought that the actress that did that, Heather Chandler, 
who was the main meme Heather. I thought she did such a good job of being like this meme and you never right. really see her in anything else. And no, yeah. I don't remember her in any... Well, that's one of the things I found very strange. Not really strange. Yeah, kind of strange about this movie is that it's such an iconic movie, um, but except for this, like, Shannon Doherty, Winona Ryder, and uh, Christian Slater... I don't recognize anybody else in that movie from anything. And usually when you watch a movie like this, you usually at least find like one or two faces where you're just like, this person in there is even if it's for like three seconds, like something just flashes and there they are. Right. Um, So like I've been a lot of the movie going, how come I don't see anybody else in this movie? What's happening? But everybody in the movie is just perfect at what they do whether it's like a big role or a yeah. small role like yeah very spectacular they're they're so good at nailing their little roles and i i think also because it was like a small film and it didn't do well at the box office like i don't think it was going to launch anyone's career so i mean i don't think this really benefited a lot of those whereas like you know there's some of the blocks here like a can't hardly wait type scenario where there mm-hmm. are like group scene like have you watched that movie recently everybody's in that movie person who's in that movie even like the guy in the back you're just like oh yeah that guy yeah he's famous now too like it's yeah i know but that's what but it's not a glossy john hughes type movie right like it was literally made in the height of john hughes 80s movies but it was like made as a total response to those movies like it's very different from 16 candles obviously obviously yeah Yeah. well i was gonna say can we talk about the irony of this being like a major role for shannon doherty early in her career where she plays that's a satirical mean girl and then out to be like an absolute horror show of an actress for like 20 years but she's better now i think she's nice the thing is like but like and like you know i'm glad like whatever i infinite chances if people are trying but like how many projects did she get drunk? Like, not, you know, how many sets did she get booted off of because she was an absolute fucking mean girl? And it's like, your career started with you doing a note perfect satire role of why it's bad to be a mean girl. I know, yeah. but she was so good just at it. behaved so badly that your career just like fizzled because nobody wanted to work with your bitch ass. Like, yeah. Hey. And it's yeah, true. as you say, like, now, you know, whatever, she's been, and like, good on her she's been dealing with some like horrible life-altering stuff and she is like you know she's she's doing the work she's like you know she's it's also been like actress and she's become a very like open and honest and lovely person i guess i mean obviously i don't know her personally but like you know yeah. but like yeah like she just she was just she just terrorized set after set because she could and it's like yeah. you not are you like and she ruined her the life. irony anvil somebody drop it on her yeah it is too bad because i actually really liked her in the first beverly hills 90210 and i thought she was really good in that she's show talented it's yeah. just but isn't that where you know all her fame went to her head and that's when she really became the mean girl on set and stuff? that is when she was a terror on that show and then she left because i guess she thought she would do bigger and better and then the same thing happened on charmed where she ended up Oh yeah, she got booted from that. Because right. nobody wanted to deal with her, so. But she she rejoined the cast for the reboot of Nine Hundred Two and and they all say they like her now. So I guess she's. 
Well, no, that's what I mean. Like, she did. She did the work and she's publicly acknowledged that she was a horror show. So, like, this isn't like anyone, you know, this isn't yeah. just like, speculation or whatever. Like, it's this, this no, is a Hollywood rumor. This is her being like, oh, yeah, I was a real bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I lost a bunch of good jobs because I was horrible and nobody wanted to work with me. So, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just it's just like it's just ironic that she yeah, that she got like this was a boost to her career and she didn't at all internalize any of the message. Because no, but you know what's interesting too? Like I read that she almost was not allowed to be in the movie because her parents thought that the movie was too sinful and bad, which okay. it really is, like in terms of the teen movies at the time. It, it, it had the most in it. I mean, they were really bad. And you know, her character in particular was really terrible like at the funeral for the first heather she's praying and she goes i prayed for the death of hannah Chandler many times and i felt bad every time i did it but now i know you heard everything thank god praise jesus like <laughs> <laughs> her outfit in that was too perfect also. oh i know Such a, like, dynasty widow outfit i was just like oh the hat yeah <laughs> but, but she <laughs> almost didn't do it because and she didn't feel like it was like her like they thought that it was not good like she was a christian girl and she wasn't this and that and everything but then they did it and you know it turned out to be a really great thing for her career and she says that iconic line from that movie too which is like um when when Ravenona Ryder says uh why can't you just be a friend heather why are you such a mega bitch and then she goes because i can be and it's such a perfect thing to say because that's because that's stating it out right exactly. yeah yeah yeah. Why not? And then she follows that line up with saying, why are you pulling my dick, Veronica? <laughs> do you think, do you really think that if Betty Finn were cool, she'd still be hanging out with her dweebit friends? No way, Veronica. Uh -uh. Like she totally uses like even male iconography to be like that. Like everything is so perfect the way she says it. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's such a good script. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you didn't I, like it? I mean, no, it's not that I didn't like it. Like I watched it. I know the point of it. It was interesting, but I'm not getting that same. Oh my God. Out of it. Like that's just, sure. it just didn't for me. Like I spent a lot of the movie going, Oh my God, that's not relevant anymore. Like, because they're just like, Oh my God, the radio show is on. And they went and watched the radio show. And I was just like, Oh, no, but nobody knows what you're talking about. But it's also you know? in the 80s. It's in no, no, no. Well, well, that's no. And that's the thing, right? Like there are certain, yeah. Like, you know, like you go back and you watch certain things. Like I was watching Seinfeld the other day and there's a whole episode. There's several episodes about people not being able to get in touch with each other because people aren't home and and they lost their like answering machine. And you're just oh. like, nobody yeah. understands that oh. anymore. What are you doing? I mean, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. You know? So like I was watching it and they were they were talking about like, uh, oh, he's got like a new a new tape. I'm like, you show this to like a 20 year old and they're just like, what 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 is that it's a cassette tape i don't know what that is that's crazy you know like it's stuff like that um so like so my problem with the movie is that like despite that it kept my interest it didn't keep it enough for me to stay focused on the story i got pulled away by a like i said i was talking about the fashion before or I was talking about the, the like the things that are so 80s that it's like it just doesn't make sense to like modern or people who weren't part of that time period will not get it, you know, like stuff like that. Well, I feel like that's something that you need to just sort of accept if you watch any kind of old movie, right? Oh because yeah. It's mm -hmm. just part of the time. 
and I and I get that, but 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 what I'm saying, it's not. I don't have a problem with the time periods in. I know it was made in that time period. My thing is that if the story kept me interested enough, I would not care as much. Whereas I think it didn't keep me interested enough, so I cared a little too much about that stuff. Is okay. all. I'm saying. Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. And if you didn't watch it at a formative age, like. If you didn't watch it when it was more current, I can see how it wouldn't be as relevant to you now. Like you don't. Yeah, I think I watched this for the first time more like between like eighteen and twenty-two, like in that time period. Like I watched it way too late. Right. Yeah. No, it wasn't like in there. It wasn't like oh, this this like affected me. I watched it and I was just like, all right. And then you know I've watched it a few times, but it's definitely not on like oh no I gotta watch Heather's or like Heather's is on I must look at it like it's- I think we're on a good spectrum because Austin's yeah. obviously a super fan and you are at the other end and then I'm like somewhere you're in the middle, middle. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't I definitely I, I don't- saw it at a time when it was particularly relevant to my life so I have like a fast affection for it mm-hmm. I probably still have a copy on VHS somewhere in my life but like. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not like a super fan either. Yeah. But like, I definitely watched it out of high school. And I was like, you know what? I get the cliques. I get, you know, the mean girls and like the jocks and the whatever. And I get the the parents ignoring you because, you know, you get to a certain age where you're quote unquote an adult, but you're not an adult. So you got to go home, but your parents don't care, blah, blah, blah. Or they care too much. It's the, There's that spectrum, right? Yeah. And so like, I got it. But because I think I was past it, it didn't like affect me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, and it's hard for me to imagine what that experience is like because I watched it at a younger age where I felt like I don't think it speaks to you necessarily because it's so, I mean, it, it like the themes speak to you, but like the plot is so over the top. Like you're not killing your, your classmates, but yeah. Like my friends and I just thought it was so hilarious that they were killing, like, because like we were watching all these 80s, like John Hughes movies that are, you know, let's face it, pretty saccharine. Like they're 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 great, but they're mm-hmm. so they're almost preachy. And then this movie is like the opposite of preachy. It's like so yeah. you know, yeah, just the opposite. And we thought it was hilarious. And we just yeah, kept like they're it's so it's what is it? It's cynical. It's very very cynical. It's very cynical. Yeah. yeah. Whereas John Hughes is very like optimistic and he's like I understand your pain I understand you know as a teenager you're going through all of these things but it's gonna get better where this is just like you're fucked everything's yeah. fucked and fucked. I was like I mean, yeah. movies that I love too like The Breakfast Club are very unrealistic about like all these different types just becoming best friends because they spend yeah. detention together or whatever yeah. like it's very nice movie but I feel like this movie was funnier and it was kind of well, the reason why in Breakfast Club you can't see them the next day or Monday is because you know that shit fell apart. You're like you had a you had a good time in detention, sure. You made out in a closet, fine. But Monday, like when he says, like, are you gonna talk to me on Monday? And they're like, Yeah, no, they're fucking lying. That's not a no. What? Maybe Monday, not by Wednesday. Not by yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, it's over. It's yeah. gonna be over quick. Yeah. yeah, just because they learned that lesson doesn't mean they're prepared to teach that lesson to everybody who comes out. That's a very good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's very true. That's how, yeah, that's how that works, right? Yeah, because once you get back into your circles that you're usually with and you get back to that pressure, you're going to give into it unless you're like, yeah. you're like so strong, like you're, you're going to give into it. It's just everything that happened in Heather's will happen in that John Hughes movie on Tuesday. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Without the murder. Yeah. Except hopefully. for the murder, hopefully. 
fingers crossed you never know yeah (laughs) um but yeah no like i but i think like revisiting this like i said i've surprisingly forgot a lot about this movie um the scene like the opening scene as soon as the camera turns around and she's like the head yeah in the ground (laughs) it was it's in my brain i'm like oh there it is I was like, is this early in the movie? I thought this was later. I totally forgotten about that. And I was just like, what? Right. <laughs> Funny thing. But it, I mean, it makes no sense. It's just like this weird, surreal little image just to sort yeah. of fuck with you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. How did you come to acquire this movie, Tracy? Do you remember? Um, I think this may have been my purchase to watch the movie the first time, to be honest. um like it was one of those things where i was like you know what i've never watched this movie oh it's on sale yeah sure why not and watched it yeah that's why i think i watched it between like 18 and 22 like that's where i think it's like in there because i know i've had it for a long time and i started buying dvds around like 16 17 and i know i didn't buy this within the last like 10 15 years so it's been there a long time Right. Um, but I know I didn't watch it while I was in high school. I remember that fact. Um, yeah, I watched all the John Hughes movies and stuff because, you know, what else? Okay. And, um, but yeah, you know, I can't hardly wait, of course, to watch that in high school. Great movie. Holds I up. I love that movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think like, I think even when I watched it the first time, I was just like, I waited too long to watch this movie. It was like my first that's, thought. That's totally valid. There's That's a big problem with watching movies that people yeah. love from the past. Yeah. That is one of the reasons I do not watch Star Wars movies. Yeah. What yeah. if I felt that way about them? That would be sad. Yeah. So I just don't engage. I mean, there are other reasons, but that's definitely on the list. Mm-hmm. Is it like, is it for spite like me with some things where I just like, no, you've talked about it too much. You're pressuring me. I'm just never going to watch it. That's it. Well, never happening. Already- pretty determined not to and then every nerdy dude i met for like a decade was a jackass about it and then now it's just like well i'm gonna go to my grave but <laughs> yeah i mean i, I think the find that surprising that you haven't watched like yeah. i feel like i know but I again, like-, like i don't have that nostalgic attachment to them yeah. so it's like it's bad being that person who has to be like, no, I refuse to watch the Star Wars movies. But imagine if I was that person who was a nerd who genuinely did not like the Star Wars movies. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want that for myself. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll deal with the current can of worms. I don't need to open that one. Yeah, if there's a real <laughs> fandom and you don't like the thing, oh my God, it is, it is and destructive. Like, it, it just, yeah, it's just not worth it to me to engage with that particular. I feel like you might like some of them though, because you love the Marvel movies. So. Well, yeah, but like I, I'm sure that I would there was I would get stuff out of. But also, it's like it's not like I don't know what happens. Like <laughs> uh, that's true. Society that there can't be that many surprises. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I I have to say I can't really vouch for the acting in the first movie all the way around. I think some of it's very good. Harrison Ford I think is good in all of the movies. Like he's, sure, he's so, good at what he does. Even. 
And they're all actually not bad. Carrie Fisher is also very good. I think mm. Mark Hamill's, even though he's hilarious now and, you know, he's fine, but his voice is so squeaky and there's something he's, about him. He's come movie. into his own. Oh, in that first movie, Luke Skywalker is a whiny bitch. Like, yes, it's fucking, yes. like I have been watching those movies for a very <laughs> long time. And even I have to say, like, I rewatch the first one every once in a while. It's definitely better than the prequel still, but I watch it every once in a while. I'm just like, shut up. Up. I know he's so yeah he gets better he gets better he gets better a lot of twerpy behavior on his part I feel yeah. <laughs> I, and the older I get the less patience I have for twerps well <laughs> and yeah so you would definitely have a problem with that movie but yeah <laughs> anyway whatever I don't uh, anyway that's wild that's wildly off topic sorry wildly off topic. Here, here's a question I have for you though Tracy especially so mm-hmm. what is your take on Mean Girl like the movie Mean Girls the movie Mean Girls, I really enjoy that movie because, because that's a movie that you definitely did not see when you were in high school because it came out much later. later. So yeah. you can't have the excuse of not seeing it at the right time, mm-hmm. but it's very similar in, in some ways. But in some ways, it is similar, <laughs> but um, in some ways, it's actually quite different because the way they tell the story in that movie. Um, and how the actual story progresses is quite different. It's well, really it's, quite it's a different. very different story. Yeah, yeah. It is. but yeah. thematically, it's it's similar. It's thematically, yeah, yeah, it works. But um, bec- I think it may have to do with like Heather's the the stylized nature of it, um, and like we were talking before, like the pacing of the film and how they the story unravels within the film it's i think i was just exposed to too much stuff except yeah a that may have been like it that it's taken from yeah or you know because it it is like if you if you actually look at the structure of the movie and you look at how the story is it's actually kind of it's quite choppy it's it's quite choppy. I find it choppy. <laughs> I don't think it's choppy. I think it moves along very well, and the scenes generally follow where they should. Like I feel like, in terms of the '80s, like we were talking earlier, like '80s movies are very nothing happens, but that's not really true of Heather's. Like something happens in every scene. Like it's a movie where there's no fat. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying nothing happens in it. It's just the way the things happen like you know when you know like when for example okay i'm gonna put this against an action movie right but it's not i know it's not an action movie but i'm gonna put it against this to clarify what i'm saying there's tons of action movies out there tons and tons and tons of action movies but there are action movies that have a story and have a purpose and you know as you go along things happen whatever right but then there are action movies where it's very clear they just want to blow things up on screen and shit just happens all the time but that doesn't mean it's a good action movie right and i think heathers might have this problem where you're like yeah it's about mean people yeah we're being satirical and stuff happens all the time but that doesn't alone make it a good but satire? I, I strenuously disagree with that because it's not it's not that's fine, it's not that's fine. <laughs> but it's not literally just blowing things up all the time randomly like a bad action movie because they're just trying to kill people like mm. every scene is like a new like part of the plot like she doesn't start with killing people it's not like 
a slasher film. Like every scene is like a lot of conversations about what's happening and the establishing of the characters and they're like, anyway, I, I know we'll have to agree to disagree. But I feel <laughs> like, like it's, it's just so full of meaning. Like I think it's the mm -hmm. opposite of that analogy because it's, it's so on, it's so focused on its, on its point. There is no extraneous, gore or 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 wasted scenes just to blow something up ever mm. like it's always like every line is basically there to further its point that's fine i mean i i i, I am not <laughs> going to disagree with you i just think the movie didn't hit me the same way it hit you yeah and well, you know like it's you, perspective it's probably it doesn't hit most people the way it hits me. I, I love <laughs> true story. True story. Very true story. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I think like I would definitely think this is a it's a good film to watch still. Like I, I think like if you just want to watch something satirical or you want to watch something that's strange or a little bit different, like it's definitely still a movie I would recommend people watch. Like I'm not going to say, oh, Heather's, ugh. No, it's definitely like, oh, Heather's. Yeah, it's actually kind of, yeah, yeah, I think you might like it. Like definitely. Yeah, it's a fun movie. It's, mm -hmm. it's fun. But, I mean, they would have to be prepared. still relevant even if the like, you know, trappings are not so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd prepare them, Austin. I think I'd be like you and be like, "It's like Mean Girls. Go watch it." <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was very funny to watch people be so shocked. There's all these murders happening in a movie that they expected to be mean. Well, and the coffee, or like the like, yeah, the coffee table scene, like where she falls through it, is like objectively bonkers. Yes. Like it's a real. You don't expect it. It's very dramatic yeah. just the way she chokes and dies then smashes yeah, and then, oh yeah it's it's ridiculous i have it's a I, I, top and like yeah yeah i have a question about because i was a little confused while watching the movie when i saw this okay so like all the other murders i get you know what was going on fine but the first one confused me a little bit so christian slater and Winona Ryder break into this girl's house to give her some wake-up cure. Winona Ryder makes one. Christian Slater pours Drano in a cup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they start making out or whatever. And Winona Ryder picks up the cup by accident that yeah. has Drano in it. And he tries to stop her. But he doesn't. And then, but he doesn't. Yes. And then, but when they get upstairs, he has the cup instead of because, her. Because she says that. He says that, like, He's when she, she, she he kisses her and she she is blindly picking up a cup and she picks up the wrong cup mm -hmm. and he put the lid on it so she can't see what's inside it and and then when he tells her he goes oh wait veronica because he realizes that she's got the wrong cup and she goes yeah and then he goes oh nothing never mind here i'll hold the cup so then he deliberately takes the cup from her so that she doesn't discover it no but he picks up the other cup that was on the table as well no, he, he notices that the cup's on the table, but then the dialogue is she's walking away holding the Drano, and then he, he looks down at the table that has the cup, and you can see the bean with bacon, or the orange and milk, or whatever it is, and, mm -hmm. uh, and he just says, oh, wait, hang on a second, I'll carry the cup, and then he leaves to, to take the cup from her. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point of that dialogue, that he says, I'll carry the cup, because he doesn't want her to discover 
Yeah, it's awkward, but it does actually hang together. It does. Okay. Yeah, because I noticed that too. I was like, didn't she just? Oh yeah. Yeah, I was a little confused to grab the cup from her to carry it up. Yeah, but when they get upstairs and he talks Heather into taking the drink from him or whatever. Yeah. Um, like Winona Ryder is like, of course, shocked because she's dead, but (laughs) doesn't look surprised that she's dead. If you understand what I mean. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you can be. I, I think she's. I think she is shocked. I don't think. And also, she doesn't react to a single thing normally the whole time. Up to That's true, time. actually. As you watch the movie, she's like, "Oh, I shot people." Yeah. Oops. Well, she, she's not that. She burns herself with a cigarette lighter because she's kind of, you know. Yeah. Sure. No, she but I just mean like her immediate reactions are very zen to a lot of crazy shit and like. Yeah. Yeah. Like when her mom walks in when she's like hanging, whatever, and then she like yeah. does a stupid thing about her job at the mall, and then. She just like that. It's just like, hey, like, what are you so stressed about? Ashley? Yeah. herself from the news. And she's like, I was not normal by any stretch of anyone. No, That's a very good example. That is not the normal. Like, it's totally, it, it makes no sense. She doesn't react to anything that her mom says. She's not reacting to what she has just done. Like, she's no. just like, hey, stop. And her mom is like, bah. yeah, but you know, it's true. It's true. And, and like I said before, like she has the same conversations with her parents. So she has essentially no relationship with her parents, but like she hates Heather. Right. So she is sort of shocked that she killed her, but her first thought is she's going to have to go to St. Quentin instead of like, she's going to go to prison. Yeah. That's, that's mm. a great time. Yeah. <laughs> so my parents go to St. Quentin instead of Stanford. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure San Quentin is very interested in your transcripts, Jerry. <laughs> Pull your shit together. <laughs> and then, and then when they're the next day, when she's in that class, and the teacher has the suicide note, and then the guy says, "Well, I used to think that she broke up with me because she said I was boring, but now I just realize it was because she was dissatisfied with her own life." And then Veronica starts laughing, and then the teacher, <laughs> and then she pretends she's crying. Very hilarious take on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she doesn't care that Heather died, right? She doesn't care. She, no, she's a monster. Like, she hated her. So yeah, so she's not really responding that in a normal way. Like she's no, you know. And when people say to her, "Oh, that must be really tough on you," with and she goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." What's the like? She's she's very obviously she doesn't care. So, yeah, she's very I mean, blasé about it. She's very blasé, and it's intentional, right? She's like the whole movie is very heightened. So she's not perfect person. Like she's. Mm-hmm. I mean, she kills people. Not at all. Yes. <laughs> I think that puts her pretty far from perfect. To be yes. Honest. I mean, she ends up being pretty bad. She yes. Ends up being pretty bad. She watches her ex-boyfriend blow himself up and doesn't even like attempt to make it to stop him. But he, yeah. tried to, he tried to kill her too. Yeah, and a whole school full of people. I mean, like he came, he I'm came not into her. He was a good guy. I'm just saying a token like maybe you could see a counselor might not have been like the worst no at that point i think i wanted to see him dead too (laughs) yeah the the one flaw though we're watching a movie not a real human being yes (laughs) no exactly i would never i I want everybody to live but i mean um yeah like the one criticism in terms of like the structure of that movie and it's partly because they have to change the ending because they didn't want him to do the original ending is that Mm. it kind of doesn't make any sense that if Christian Slater was hellbent on blowing up the whole school and then one tries to stop him and have this whole tussle, this is an example of what I was saying earlier before we were recording where I hate when people are tussling with the bad guy and then they knock out the bad guy, but they don't disarm the bad guy. I mean, in this case, she knocks him out again 
And then she just leaves the bomb there with the detonator in his hand and just leaves the basement because it's yeah, seems, the, really the bomb seems to have stopped. But I mean, really, she should have taken the detonator. She should have, like, she leaves him in there with all of the things and then he just reassembles the bomb things and comes out of the school and blows himself up. And, and yeah. if you're We're following the logic, yeah. like, why wouldn't he just wake up and then finish the plan and kill everybody? Exactly. Yeah. Except that the movie people didn't want him to do that. So that's why. They switched up. Yeah. get financing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I get it. <laughs> Maybe I just need to watch it more often. You know what? Everybody's going to have a different opinion. I'm just passionately defending it because it's literally my favorite movie. And I feel <laughs> like, like it's just so it's well written. It's second. so... It's just so, I feel insightful even now. And it's just, it's so strange. And it was just like, I was so into all of those John Hughes movies. I was into all the movies of the eighties and this movie was just so strange in that milieu. It was so different. It was so its own thing mm -hmm. and I couldn't get enough of it. And neither might, it's also partly because my friends and I watched this movie so many times together. We quoted it at each other. It was like our favorite movie. We, yeah. so it was like a kind of a bonding thing. And we thought it was such a badass movie. And yeah, so like, you're like holding it close to your heart. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah but I, I genuinely think it's a good movie even beside that because it's gotten so much praise over the over the years. Like mm -hmm. there've been so many- still relevant now. Yeah. Like, people are referencing it there's been retrospective articles written about it on all the different mm -hmm. anniversaries about how influential it was how good it was like Winona Ryder has said on the record it's still the favorite movie she's ever done like it's it's such a I feel like it's silly it's such a good movie but mm -hmm. I you know and, it, and it, I just like that it's a weird one you know it's not it's not a sequel it's not it's it's so it's just its own thing and it and it did launch a bunch of movies that have also become movies that are like among my favorite movies like I as you know, I love Mean Girls, the movie. And it's yes. like, I, I, I can watch that movie endlessly as well. And it's obviously a very different movie, but I can see all of the things that it borrowed from Heather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely hit off a specific genre of films, I think. It did. It's, it's, it sort of launched its little, the Mean Girls kind of genre, the subgenre okay. of teen films. And there's also, and, they, and, and, it, and it ended up being like, there's Mean Girl characters in lots of movies. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I think before like this movie centers around a group of mean girls, but there were always mean girls in movies. But As the, the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there were there were never movies about them. Whereas I think this centered around the girls, and there were movies after it that centered around the girls yeah. instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, because even like John Hughes movies had mean girls in them, but they were just never, they were, they were just like supporting characters that were just, supporting, yeah. Yeah. yeah, were just there kind of thing. They moved the plot well, along, but they didn't have They were there to be the antagonist in the plot that were overcome in some way. Yeah, just the person self-actualized and realized the value of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Much but like how very... has to kind of realize who he is and, and come <laughs> with himself. Oh, as I sit here trying to come up with the segue, you you took this from me. You took it from me. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that's why you... <laughs> I felt it was time. I felt it was time. It was time. time. It's, it's time. It's time. Um, yeah. So Hellboy. 
Hellboy. Yes. It sure is a movie that happened. It is a movie that happened. Look, I'm actually very mad that you made me analyze this movie because I like this movie. I like it. It's one of those movies I enjoy having on in the background while I do stuff. And then every once in a while, run back in the movie and be like, I like this part and then run back out. So I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. But then having to like analyze it was very frustrating. Oh, because that's I, I picked up some flaws. It because I don't know that I have anything intelligent to say. <laughs> I might be like, I might be straight into a back into like a bat nipples place on this where I'm just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I would say? Like, the only like my notes are pretty slim on this movie, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> so my only notes were I thought it was hilarious that you know how when they all subtitle where they are, like. France or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or police station, just so, like a establishing shot. I thought it was hilarious in this movie that they're underneath the subway station and they put on a subtitle, abandoned subway area. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's having fun with of itself or with itself, making fun of itself. I don't know words. But they only yeah, did it that one time. I thought that, seriously, which is good. I mm-hmm. thought that was funny. And I thought it was interesting that Guillermo del Toro. I never pronounce his name right, but anyway, Guillermo del Toro. I'm just gonna call him del Toro. Like he did the shape of water later, and I feel like the design of that oh yeah man you, was you almost could see the, you could see how he got you could see yeah. point A having seen the shape of water as point B. Yeah, yeah. and it's acted by the same guy, Doug Jones and everything. Like it's of course it all is. Right. so it feels like I, yeah, so it feels like he really liked that character and decided to give him a movie. So yeah. He's that like, was- we, we can't call him Abe Sapien. We've got to change the name. And maybe he just can't talk, just swim around and right. has his little crotch pouch that, you know, we don't right. really see. But and let's give him a girl. Let's give him a girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oy. That's true because the character still likes eggs. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, no. The crossover is uh, significant. It's real. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. it's an actual thing. All the yeah. questions, all the all the awkward sex questions anyone had about Abe Sapien were definitely answered. By <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the thing is, Abe Sapien wore pants. Had questions. He had pants on, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, but there were still questions. There were still questions. When did pants ever stop questions? <laughs> anyway. And the only um, other note I had was I was surprised to see that Jeffrey Tambor was in this movie. <laughs> he was pretty great for what he was doing in this movie. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's the thing with Jeffrey Tambor. He always brought, like, I want to say gravitas. There's something very powerful about the way he sounds, right? Whether he's making a joke or he's being serious, he's very weighted, right? But of course, we had this discussion the last time I talked to you, Austin. He has ruined things. So as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, it was my first And I also think he brings baggage with him because you know that it's going to be an unlikable character mostly. All the time, yeah. He's always tasked to be this asshole that Mm. maybe he's redeemed at the end, maybe he's not, but you can count on him to be a bit of an asshole. He's he's the lovable asshole. Like, you you don't flat out hate him. You dislike him, but you're just yeah. like, I can't be mad. You know, by the end. But you know that you're going to dislike him as soon as he's there. Yeah. The thing that gives him whatever the weight is that you were talking about is like his absolute confidence, right? Like that's uh-huh. like, as like an actor. And unfortunately, that crosses over to him being an absolutely confident shitbag in real life. But like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, he just, yeah, it's like somebody else might have like, you know, pulled up a little bit, whatever. And he's just like, nope, I let my, let that asshole flag fly. Like I'm yeah. going to be awful until t- somebody tells me otherwise. Like, but that is why it works for him. And that's why he keeps no, he's, cast. he's He was beautifully cast in this movie. He did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's too bad what ended up happening because he was, you know, it was a groundbreaking thing until everybody realized better. <laughs> yeah. And well, like, I think, I think for yeah, you, that a, a lot of people got away with that kind of like attitude. Yeah. And now people are just like, I'm sick of it. Stop yelling yeah. at me. It's not your character. Fuck off. We're here yeah. to do a job. <laughs> like people realize acting. Yeah. You get paid lots of money you get to be on a big stream, but it is a job. It's something you have to enjoy doing and you want to do. And you don't want some dickhead just ruining it for you because exactly. ruining something that you love, you know, yeah. and you want to do. And we always yeah, have the conversation, Tracy. Sorry, Alex. Yeah. What? Oh, to, like to, to be an actor, you have to be so confident, right? Like it's such a crazy thing to do with your life, especially yeah. the job, like, you know, well, and you, it, have it to, leads you have to make to, people believe it. Yeah. Like you have to just like, you, you cannot be self-conscious and still be good at your job. So you just like, no matter what insecurities or whatever you have going on in your own life, you have to be able to like shove that down and be like, yes, I am right. Like, this is my choice. This is my acting choice. I am right about it. Like everybody get out of my way. And unfortunately that translates behind the camera. And that's why a lot of actors are totally unbearable so which just, is why they, ha- they have to be self-absorbed because it's the way to succeed that's probably. Like, yeah like yeah. You, you can't and like some of them strike a balance and some of them don't as with mm-hmm. any job and any you know whatever but like but yeah that one particularly tends to people being assholes because what makes you succeed in your job makes you fail in your personal life but yeah so. well, i mean to to become an actor in the first place you have to like there's so much rejection and so much judgment and so much just like destruction of who you are for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to come back and do this tomorrow until you become famous. You got to have some level of dysfunction. in And also just like people are dissecting who you are, like your physicality, your voice, like, like, and it's it's hard to not take that personally because they're criticizing you, your actual body in some cases. We're signing up to have people talk shit about you repeatedly for literal years and try to turn you into somebody and then, else. yeah and then hope that you get to pay your rent at the end of it like <laughs> fingers don't become an actor kids nah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the like there but it's for very few people yeah well yeah it's it's yeah but yeah talent isn't the only thing you need mm-hmm. and the absolute confidence sometimes yeah that's your personal life being an actor in a movie like Hellboy where you get to dress up and like physically become a character makes their job both easier and harder at the same time because yeah. it's easy to feel different when you've your head to toe different yeah. but also you still have to project through all of that stuff that covers you you know what I mean right. yeah. and I think Ron Perlman is one of those people who has managed to, with either his face or made up, which he has done many times in his career, does such a great job of all of these characters that he does. Like, he's just fantastic. You can sort of tell that he loves doing this. Like, he he loves his job, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even when Hellboy is, like, not having a good time, like, you can still tell that there's, like, joy behind that. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, he's into it. I'm getting paid to like 
get yeah. painted red and pout on screen. This is <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. You can tell. And I feel like it's also, it helps humanize that character because it yeah. is such a ridiculously made up character, right? It's hard to relate to. Yeah, his struggles how- are like ludicrous because it, yeah, he's a- But I feel like he does sort of project kind of a, you know, as far as Hellboy can be easygoing, but like when we first meet him with, I can't remember, Myers or whatever his name is, the, the young guy, like, you know, he he feels like a character that you could meet. Like he doesn't feel like a cartoon character. Like he's kind of casual and he's kind of confident and he's sort of like, I kind of like liked that he was able to project a sort of normal vibe, even though he looks like Hellboy mm-hmm. and he, you know, sold it, I guess. Yeah, well, he's not like he's not some like mythological being. He's just like a normal dude who's like he has a weird life and he's been raised by an eccentric and so he has yeah. like you know more cats and mm-hmm. less pigment less, less standard pigment than one might expect but or like more pigment yeah he's got he's pigmentally challenged I don't know whatever <laughs> anyway the point is <laughs> Like he looks weird and his life is weird, but like he's still just like a dude who's living in a life that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Like he's just like I think that's what's great about the Hellboy characters. Like, yeah, he's a super, but he's definitely just like a dude. Like he's just yeah. a guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Because he's yeah. like he's grumpy before coffee. He likes cats. Like he doesn't like he's got like mm-hmm. yeah. and he's obsessed with his girlfriend and he has to like stalking her on a date and talks okay, about well, his feelings. Were we just talking about how he's a normal dude? Because let's not ascribe that to normal dude behavior, please. Okay. <laughs> no, we're trying to combat that as normal right, dude behavior, actively. No, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's ignore, typical, ignore. but it's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> Good distinction. Good distinction. But I'm just saying that they, they treat him like a normal male character. Good or bad, instead of like a monster or a demon or something that's sort of above it all. Like They make him very... have human problems well i think his whole character is this he's looking for his own humanity kind of thing so he fights really hard to be as normal as possible even though he's in all these strange places and sees all these strange things and does all this strange stuff i mean like walking through a graveyard and looking for the close to uh what is it a walker or a talker he talks you're just like oh "Oh, you just walk around with that thing to check for if somebody's going to talk to you okay sure you know but um but i think that's one of the things that people like about his character is the fact it's um i think like a lot of good franchises and a lot of good heroes have this where like in marvel like vision is kind of like hellboy i find where it's like there are these two things that are unworldly and they're trying really really hard to be normal people you know what I mean? Um, but their world will not let that happen just because of who they are and what they can well, do so and what they look like. Views from people who are not at all normal. So. Yeah, yeah, there's also that problem. That's yeah, the professor is not by people that are a sparkling not. example of normal humanity. He's an mm-hmm. fucking weirdo. So, <laughs> well, I mean, finding I I think he was Orient eccentric when he found him. You know, yeah. in the Second World War and stuff. But yeah. I think by finding him, he's was made more obsessive and more peculiar and sure. then they trapped him in this space where pretty much only yeah, the he weird, already peculiar. weirdo but he could be he got he basically got licensed to be as weird as he liked when he yeah. got on a demon child right like that's 
because he wasn't in like he didn't have to have like he didn't have to be an academic he didn't have to like attend dinners with the dean he was like in his bunker with his kid and his books and his like and then the other weirdos that he would right like yeah it just it amplified what he where he was already heading because he basically like tapped out of regular society because he had to because he was a father and like good on him that's you know clearly the right choice but like also yeah hellboy's hellboy's idea of normal and actual normal are like two very different things yeah because yeah. he's not allowed to they have a kissing him. acquaintance but they're not like <laughs> but i like that that's part of his sort of struggle because like his his i can not remember the dad name but and like mm-hmm. he would always get mad at him for leaving the bunker and being yeah. seen but he just wanted to be around normal people and see what was happening and check on that the girl who also wanted to be normal and that was the same issue she had that she has a chance to be normal and that's why she doesn't want to return so it was very much about about that and that they wanted to be normal, but they, they couldn't. So that reminded me so much of like all of those Marvel movies like that. And what's that? I don't think it was a Marvel movie, this one, but X-Men, like Professor X and having the whole school for weirdos. And yeah, that's X-Men. Kids. Like mm-hmm. it's the same. It's the same thing, right? Like he's sort of like a an X character and he has Abe the fish man and he has the fire girl and he has the demon and he keeps them safe He's created a safe place for people with crazy abilities but they and also to help deploy them to save people when they don't necessarily want to be in that safe place because it's you know it's still sort of like a prison is yeah, yeah of yeah. course it is because yeah. they can't yeah yeah, because you you there's a certain level of anonymity you lose automatically when you're a giant red dude. So you can't just go <laughs> out to the grocery store if you want. No. And we may find that very boring, but if you're trapped somewhere, whether you're a prisoner or not, you know, or it's a made up or if you're Britney Spears. Or if you're Britney Spears, yeah. that's a whole other sad story. Yes, um it's it makes it difficult for you to not want that normalcy to, to just be like, I just want to be able to do something I want to do without also, it being a big deal. It's normalcy, but it's also having control over your own life because there are certain things that are forbidden and you're not allowed to do. And it's, it really limits what you're allowed to do with your own life, which obviously no one likes, no one wants. So no one wants that. Yeah. No. But also, can we talk about how, what's the, what's her name, Selma Blair? What's her? Liz Sherman. She, like, is with it enough to know that she needs help, so she checks herself into a hospital where she is a massive danger to every single person in that hospital every single day. Like, can we start the therapy with the ethics of putting that many people in danger to get your shit together? (laughs) I know, and it turns out. You know why she doesn't want to live in the bunker? Because she doesn't want to just like, you know, give into it or whatever. She wants to be normal, but also like you are a bomb that's about to go off at any moment. Like you can't, you know, you can't control it. That's why you're here. So you should be here because you can't control it. Well, (laughs) I think, I think that's part of the problem with her character is that, she has gotten to a point in her life where she hasn't had a episode uh, in a very long time and she needs to become mentally stable, but she can't be mentally stable in the place that protects her and the people around her and the place that is giving her some mental stability. She technically puts everybody in danger, but to be honest, if Rasputin didn't, you know, haunt her dreams, there's a good chance she would have been okay for at least a little while longer. I'm not yeah. saying she's not a danger. The villain of this was Rasputin. Yes. <laughs> like, 
Okay, so I definitely saw this movie when it came out in the theater, and I definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed it, and I don't think I've seen it since. It's really? not, like, in my rotation or whatever. But, like, you know, enjoyable movie. But also, I've seen so many other superhero movies since then that now it's, like, there's certain parts of it that I was just like, well, this is stupid. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> old. That's different. Yeah. But also, I stand, I think I can safely say I don't think I've ever cared about a Rasputin storyline in the history of my life. And I don't think other people should either let that fucker rest in whatever he wants uh, that, uh, uh, you know, that's not peace. Leave him out of it. Leave like, there's so many villains in history. If you need to name one, but like, why that one? Yeah. Why that one? Well, I think it was directly from the comic books. That's it. But to be honest, okay, like well, they say Rasputin at the beginning of the movie, and then I forget it's Rasputin by the end of the movie. And then uh, every time the movie, like I see the movie, it starts. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Rasputin. And then I don't know. I don't fucking know. It's I, just, know, I had a real like, oh, that's dumb moment about it, and I never quite got past it. But I also actually that was one of the things because like yeah, I I. I mean, it's an enjoyable movie, but it didn't it didn't hold my attention that well, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like, part of that was just I, I don't know. I think I was grumpy when I watched it, so like, you know, <laughs> but like, but yeah, like all that stuff at the beginning. Again, like I've seen so because when I watched it in the theater in two thousand four or whatever, like I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I went with like I don't know my roommates at the time or whatever. Hi, Eric. But like, I didn't. That wasn't like a comic book person and I wasn't a comic book movie person. So like, you know, this was probably one of the earlier ones that I'd seen and whatever. And I enjoyed it and it was cool. But like, I've seen so many more now that it was like, now it's like, it's the same thing that we were talking a little bit about in Heather's where it's like, I've seen 87 movies subsequently that have done the same thing. So this looks tired, even though it might've been like, it's one of the earlier ones. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, yeah, all the like bumbling, weird, supernatural Nazi guys. I was just like, oh, is this what we're doing? <laughs> but then I was sort of thinking about that and like I mean yeah the yeah bumbling Nazi nerds trying to bring supernatural artifacts into whatever and I was like this is ludicrous but then I was thinking you know I was kind of contemplating just like think about the absolute wieners that joined the Proud Boys like this actually tracks better now than it did when I saw it originally because at that point it was cartoon villains from the past and now it's like Oh yeah, no, these fucking jackals showing up to like anti-vax protests with swastikas, like, oh yeah, they they are this stupid, they are this lame. Yeah. Like, dear yeah. God, why yeah. this should have been this should be less relevant, not more after well, this many years. Like, when, holy shit. I agree. Like I was gonna say, like <laughs> when I saw it was the Nazis as the bad guys in this movie, I was I had this weird nostalgic feeling for when we all agreed that Nazis were bad. And like you could put them in a movie. And I remember it's the same with Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark and whatever other movie, maybe the third one. I can't remember which one it was now, but there were Nazis, like the blonde Nazi. But but you just knew that everybody accepted that the bad guys were Nazis and Nazis are bad. And now I feel like it's sad that they reclaimed Nazis as as like an option, as like a, as a legit (laughs) political party that they should be able to hate people and not, and not be, and, and use the, the word intolerance for people that don't want to accept their hate and that they're victims of intolerance. Like it drives me bananas. I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole that I won't keep going because mm-hmm. it's too serious and too sad. But I do, like I watch movies with Nazis and it does make me sad that you're right, Alex, it's not, it's more relevant now because it Nazis are be, back. It, Nazis they, are the back. Nazis in the movies used to be cartoonish. And now that we see 
like yeah how the like how neo-nazis market themselves and it's like oh yeah no this they yeah they're exactly that like weird and pathetic and terrible but yeah Yeah. it's it's hard to enjoy cartoonish movie nazis now that we are now dealing with real nazis yeah again yes yeah that that shouldn't that shouldn't be the bit that resonates where you're like oh yeah yeah, it's like but that's that's the interesting thing i read somewhere that the interesting thing is like we change people change times change but movies don't change once they're made they just become beacons like lighthouses and what's interesting about revisiting old movies is that you can sort of like a lighthouse, see where you are in proximity to that movie as mm. times change. So when you, you watch something again, it's exactly the same, but now your perspectives may have totally changed. And that's an interesting thing about rewatching old movies. And, you know, our feelings about the Nazis are not how we would have felt when we watched them in 2004, right? And that's because the world has changed. And yeah, it's, they were firmly in the past yeah. when this movie came out, and now they're not anymore. And but, like, yeah, so it, it's sad. Yeah, but I, I do think it's funny. To, just on a much lighter note, that um, <laughs> yes. they totally they <laughs> cribbed from Raiders of the Lost Ark and Hellboy with, like, you know, as soon as they said, "Oh, we have to go find the," I, I also kept kind of drifting in and out, but so I don't remember exactly. But I knew they had to go somewhere to get something to solve the problem. The reliquary to trap the yeah yeah. Mm. So when they went into the thing, I was like, "Oh, this is very Indiana Jones going into a cave to." secure the thing that they need or whatever, or to protect the thing. And then it happened, like they're all sort of traps. There were like spears coming out of the floor. There was like walls coming down that he narrowly oh, gets. Yep. Yeah. Just, just like, you know, Indian Jones like slides in his whip just before the thing, his tail slides in just before the, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Like that, it was such a lift from Indian Jones. It had to be a, an homage of some kind. Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny, but it's like, it was kind of derivative. Like it was like, I could see all these sort of superhero type movies that are probably, you know, so early, maybe they were lifting from that or they're all the same, but then these old action movies as well that it was clearly kind of borrowing from. Yeah, and I think that plays into the fact that it doesn't take itself so crazy seriously. Like that's why it just pulls into things and has like nods to all of the the fun stuff that came before it. I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy the movie. Like, I just... Oh, yeah, if it's it took like, itself totally seriously, it would be, un- like, unwatchable. Um, <laughs> that's, like, the new the new Hellboy did exactly that. Oh, no! I haven't seen it. I'm it, took it. It took itself way too seriously. Like, it just no, took no, itself too no. seriously. Yeah, and it <laughs> fell apart because of it. Mm. Your hero is named Hellboy and he's a grown-ass man. That's not going to work. Yeah. Like, they <laughs> they try to put in the little side jokes and his humor and stuff. And, like, when you first meet, you're like, this is interesting. But as the story goes along, you're like, you are taking yourself very seriously right now. And this isn't working for me. And then there's this, this whole, like, witch thing going on. And you look bored. Like, it's, it's Mila Jovovich. And she just oh. looks bored. And I'm just that's like kind of her, oh, I, that's kind of her resting expression though, the kind of bored model in Susulance or whatever. I guess, but I mean I've seen her in lots of other things where she doesn't look that bored. Like I the fifth know. element. She doesn't look like, bored in that. No, she doesn't. She's great in it. Like <laughs> She's it's great in that. Crazy. Um, but Did but you yeah. Well, to Hellboy, the Golden Army. Yes, I have. Yeah. Really? I um how do I put this? How do I put this in a nice way? I don't dislike you the movie. You don't have to put it 
don't we know. don't even really like it, so you don't have to. Pull the tea, Tracy. We don't have a lot of gossip these days. Be mean. I know. I know. No, but, the, but that's the thing. Like, these first two movies, like, they tried something very different with the second movie. And it was clear they had, a, a, a lot more money. And B, they were trying to do something different than they did with the first one, right? And that second movie has the same problem as a lot of franchises have when they get to the second movie. Because the first movie makes, like, the first movie, they had a certain budget. They've got to work in this very specific bubble. So it was very clear, like, in in that movie, in, in this first Hellboy, there's a lot of practical effects the special effects were used in very specific ways, um, but it was well done. Small sets, like yeah, they were small oh, sets. We're in a tiny room. We're in a whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the second movie was very clear, just like we got all the money. Do the things. Just do the things. Oh, and, uh, yeah, that clearly, clearly happened. happened. You know, and a lot of the like monsters and stuff were like completely CG and 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 stuff, and you're just like you don't get that same in the space feeling like they're in the same room kind of thing and like and i also found surprisingly like i found a lot of the sets in this first hellboy actually seemed quite despite knowing that they're relatively small sets it still seemed very big and like kind of epic at certain well that's like camera del toro's whole thing is like yeah it's like set that right like he had a there was that whole exhibition at the ago that i assume we all yeah. went to where it's just like this is what his like parts of his house look like because he's yeah. a lunatic who likes to like layer decor upon decor to like create a mood for his breakfast room or whatever the fuck like, yeah he loves he, his monsters right he does but he and he, but he's really good at setting a stage and like yeah layering interesting things that you wouldn't necessarily put together instinctually and whatever like that's yeah like if he wasn't a director he could do set deck because he's like that kind of like he's like a well he visualizes guy. it like he definitely yeah. Yeah, and you can see that, especially, like, in Hellboy's home, where, like, there's just the way that things are, like, there's, like, layers and layers of things that make it clear that it's, like, a facility, but it's also a home, right? Yeah. That's yeah. his whole thing. So and, if you lose uh, that, then you lose the flavor of the whole situation. Well, and, and that's the thing about the second movie. Like, it's very, it's a very pretty movie. Don't get me wrong. It's very pretty sure. to look at. There's lots of, like, just images that are very beautiful, but it's it loses its hominess if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. Where I think like are monsters. It there well no there are monsters in it, but like like. No, but are they, there more monsters? Because I assume that they're just. Oh yeah, there's there's monsters. more. There's definitely more monsters because they go to like a a marketplace that has all these mythical creatures, and they're looking for. They've got like a tooth fairies. Tooth fairies are actual fairies that rip bones out of people. Like they're so they're like evil. Yeah. Stuff. and they got to find the golden army and they find the place with the golden army and they come to life but they're it's all like it's a whole cg room and you're just like this doesn't feel great anymore like yeah. it's kind of it comes across kind of flat right whereas yes with the monsters in this movie especially with the whatever the stupid cthulhu small thing is like that thing, it's very clear. It cuts back and forth between like a CG version and like a, a live action. So all the close-up shots is practical and all yep. the wide 
it's CG. <laughs> it's it's aged slightly badly because you can definitely pick out the CG scenes, but because of the practical effect scenes, it just comes across better because they're in the same space. Yeah. Right. They I did appreciate the practical effects, even though they did look a little cheesy. You can kind of tell, but there's something charming about it because it's you know the CG stuff that came out and then took over. It's sort of boring now and it's sort of it never you know if it's too realistic it's got that uncanny valley thing and yeah. if it's not it looks like a video game um so it's sort of that throwback fun feeling of old movies with people in costumes and things and like i kind of felt like hellboy had you know a good mix of both because there's clearly a lot of cgi with special effects but you could tell mm. where there were certain practical effects which i did appreciate i thought that was a cute part of it yeah, like the like for example the the I know you were mentioning this before with the Nazis, but I actually love the opening sequence of this movie. Like I I love that whole that whole sequence where they're on the island, it's raining, they're like making fun of the guy for having crosses because they don't believe in that stuff, and then they find yeah. it and they open the portal and all that kind of stuff. I love that whole thing. Like I think it's a it's one of the better. Um, introductions to like a superhero movie film yeah. right i did um, wonder how this was going to tie into hellboy because i i could not remember this movie at all mm-hmm. um so yeah i agree it was a very exciting opening there was a lot of action yeah. like it was it got to the action quickly but still set it up yeah and so you automatically knew sort of your storyline right because that guy disappears Rasputin's like, uh, find me here. Here's the book. Come find me. And then as soon as they get in the modern times, they go find him. And you're just like, oh, it's going to be back at this guy. Yeah. And then you get introduced to Hellboy. Right. So it's like, you know where the story starts. You kind of yeah. know where it's going. And then it goes from there. Yeah. No, but the position was smooth as hell. Yeah. So. It was great. Right. But then the whole middle kind of flounders a little because yeah they're doing a really good job introducing the character and introducing like Myers and and all that kind of stuff trying to set things up but because it's unclear what the bad guy is doing until quite late in the movie you're just like why are we're just running around like what are we doing here yeah I started to lose interest for sure yeah yeah, and then when you finally figure out, oh, he's just doing all this stuff to lure him somewhere, to use him. Oh, and then it gets slightly interesting again. And then, I'm sorry, the final battle sequence is horrible. Like, it's just, it's so abrupt. It it has always frustrated me. I'm like, I like this movie up until this point. What did you guys do? But- I think it's, the thing that's interesting about superhero movies in general, especially very powerful characters, like Hellboy is clearly very powerful and even people like Superman or whatever, like when you get a character that's so powerful, I feel like the stakes don't feel very high when they get into a battle because you just know they're, they're going to prevail. I mean, that's the nature of the movies anyway. You know they're going to prevail, but you know, sometimes, I don't know why I'm thinking this because it's not a superhero movie, but John McClane, he's so fallible and diehard. Like, you know he's going to survive, but he's so human, you don't know how he's going to do it. And it's it's exciting to see him figure it out, but in a superhero movie where they just have all the powers or they're super strong, like it's hard to really feel any sense of peril or danger. So in Hellboy, like that's one thing I feel like he's so good at saving the people and 
and killing the bad guys and nothing seems to kill him. Like he can be thrown in front of a train. He can be thrown out of the, like all the things happen to him and he's always fine. So at the very end, when it's like this big last big monster, like he has a very sort of unbothered casual tone about everything all the time. And it's his character, but it also means that you're not really worried for him. So he's very casual, like, Oh yeah. How big could it be? And then he walks in, it's very big, but you, you still don't really worry for him because Mm-hmm. He's Hellboy. Nothing's going to happen to him. And well, I mean, his choice is ethical, not physical, right? Like that's yeah, that's the battle. So. But I didn't feel that that. Was but, it, the, but they didn't really, that. they didn't really build that up. That was like a kind of a sudden left turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the problem. Like it's, you know, he yeah. dies and he unleashes a god, as the guy says, as he's dying. But you're just like, it's a squid guy who can get blown up. That's not very godlike to me. It's not yeah. very godlike. And the other thing, like, and his ethical choice made no sense to me because this entire time, you know, he's so ethical, right? Like he's, he's always saving the right people. And the bad guy that's trying to force him to do this thing has killed his girlfriend and has done all these terrible things to him. Like, he's like, why would he ever help the guy? And like, he's already killed the girlfriend. Like, why doesn't he, why? He I mean, has I he save the or he can whatever. Yeah. Well, but I don't think I think up until it's like save the bus full of civilians or save the girl. Like it's like pure like shitty beginner Spider-Man nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that up until that point, everybody he saves more has to do with you're being told to save these people. So save these people. And yeah, sometimes he gets away and like kittens get in danger. And so he saves kittens. Fine. Right. It was so dumb. And I loved it to death. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because it's work and I'm mad that I'm charmed, but I'm super charmed. Yeah. Like- He's like fighting <laughs> this thing and all he hears. And he's got the yeah. back to just just hand over the basket and then fight. Come on, no. I know, but he keeps holding on to the basket. Yeah. It was such an obno- It was such an obvious, obnoxious, just like the studio grasping for my heartstrings, and I was just like big mad about how well it worked. They're like, <laughs> "Damn you! You hate this. <laughs> this is the horrible side of me. I try to repress that cries at long distance commercials." Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah um yeah so besides the kittens so like most of the time he's just told who to save and i think this is one of the quote-unquote first times or the time we're being shown where he has a choice because he's also this is also the first time he's his true self which is a demon to and who's a key to bring hell to earth kind of thing Right. Um, so he he does finally have like a choice. He can just be selfish. He's like, she's dead already. If I die, maybe I'll see her when with hell on earth, blah, blah, blah. Or I can still do the good thing and save everybody instead of just the girlfriend. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where it is. Um, but like, I mean, I know the movie's not perfect, but I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it's it. It's enjoyable. It is yeah. enjoyable. It is enjoyable. I do think that the beginning is stronger than the ending. Like it starts oh, yeah. off. Like yeah, the there's definitely of- a trajectory and it's not in the right direction. Yeah. But- <laughs> like Tommy was walking by and I was watching it and I said, it's actually pretty good. Like this, like I thought the first sequence was quite exciting. And then I liked the introduction of Hellboy and everything. And I was pretty into it. And then I, I did sort of drift. It was the th- kind of thing where, you know, I was watching it and I thought I was really interested, but then I was also on my phone and then 
I started getting more interested in what was on my phone. So I had oh. to stop and rewind. Um, and I did that a couple of times. Like I had to kind of wait a minute. <laughs> what is happening here? I don't remember yeah. that at all. So I had to stop and rewind. And um, but then I got sort of back into it. But then I, I guess those are just tropey things where there has to be some sort of climax. But I always just find the character is so good. He's not going to bring Heldroth and kill the whole world. Like it feels ridiculous that that's like he has to be convinced not to do it. Like mm -hmm. I thought that was sort of ridiculous, but I mean, yeah, that was never going to be what his choice. Like that, yeah, they set yeah. the character up well enough that they kind of fuck themselves on the end because yeah, like, like you believe in anybody so who believed that that, like, that was an option was not paying attention. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, agreed, absolutely, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I think I think to the. Uh, evolution of superhero films makes it difficult to go backwards you know yeah, with these kinds awful. of things again sure. it's like this is such a tired trope wait no this is the source material yeah. i've just seen 87 movies since it came out like yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I like i don't know i i think a lot of superhero movies for me sort of get like a like a pass i'm like i know we're gonna see this 35 you're gonna be like Oh, he's troubled. He's gonna have a hard time, but he's gonna prevail. That's the story. That's every superhero story. That's just how it is. Fine, right? So you just accept certain things like that. Whereas, you know, yeah. other stories, you you can't accept it because you're just like, no, you're supposed to be doing something different. That's what I'm here for. You know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I like it. Yeah. No, superhero movies have a certain rhythm to them, right? So. And they have a certain, they, they, they're almost like romantic comedies where there's certain rules where yeah. you know, there and always has to be a time. It breaks them and it's a, it's a great thing. But generally yeah. speaking, like, it's the same reason that I watch procedurals. It's like, yes, right. it's a very defined arc that I find soothing. So you like the comfort of what's happening. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, sorry about all the murder, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's wrapped up in 43 minutes or less. And like, yes. Yeah, this story arc makes me happy and I know how it works. And it's like, I, yeah. So until they have a two part and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> that's why, I mean, I mean, this is not what we're talking, but that's why I really appreciate the Marvel TV shows. I feel like they do not do that. Like they're, I think quite unique in their structure. And I hate them so much. Oh no! I Wait, think what? How could you hate them, Alex? What are no, you talking about? I don't hate them. I don't hate that. Well, listen, I got I got <laughs> issues with Marvel since Endgame, but um, I know your Captain America issue. But I mean, apart no, from so here's the thing, like, uh, yeah, no, I it's your Captain America issue. But I mean, you can't throw. No, no, no I know, and I've gotten past it, and I do watch the others. Although I'm behind on Loki, so no spoilers. But okay, okay. um, it's so good though. Anyway. Yeah, it is. I oh yeah. I have, I have a personal issue with Loki as well, though, because I just like I just can't get behind Owen Wilson. So every time they engage in quippy banter, I'm just like, I would be so charmed if this was anyone but that fucking guy. I thought I thought it was shocking. He looked so old. But I mean, I guess you know, I just don't I don't. Anyway, I hate his face and it makes me mad. But <laughs> um, but that's a me issue, not a Marvel issue. Yeah. <laughs> but I find like. I find that the like complete unpredictability of the shows like and the f I think I would be okay with it if they weren't released week to week but because they are I'm like 
big mad about it. Oh, that's what I love about it. I can't, I feel like I I can never find my footing and then I'm like pissed off all the time. Like one of it, if I hadn't read it and watched like four or five episodes in a row, I would have just stopped watching after two. You're such a, you're such a new creature. But see, this is why I feel like it's (laughs) old school like, I mean, you like the new ways of doing things, right? Where you can see it all at the same time, you have control, yeah. you can watch it all. But like, you know, when you grow up, like in the 80s, you had no choice. Like you would wait I, your favorite show. Like 22, I also oh, I know, up. I know. I'm not, I I'm not going we're to... past it and now we're back to it. I'm I watching a show on Apple TV right now that's coming out week to week. And I'm like, nobody has ever even heard of this show. I'm probably one of your like 20 viewers. Why? Really? What show is that? Fucking with me this way. It's called Home Before Dark. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it. It's about a child reporter that uncovers dark secrets in a small town. And it's, I watched the first season because I was like, is there any content on Apple TV? There's well, no content. It might be interesting. There were like 10 shows and I didn't I care about eight Servant. of them. I watched Servant and The Morning just, Show. Right. This was like, this was, yeah, this was a while ago. And then this, they like Apple TV was like, oh, there's a second season. And I was like, okay, cool. I could be convinced to go back. And then it was just like, week to week, what horseshit is this? Ugh. So, but don't you find it builds anticipation? Like, I feel like every time I watch an episode, like, I found this way about WandaVision as well. Like, every time a new episode would come out, I'd be looking forward to watching this episode to see what happened. And then I would read all the things that people were predicting. And it's fun because you get that week. I was excited about that for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was excited about it and I was excited to watch it week to week. WandaVision, I would have just stopped because I hated the first couple episodes. Oh, no, so, they were so good. They were so I know good. they were doing a really cool thing. It just wasn't my thing and I hated it. Uh-huh. And then with Loki, I'm like, okay, yes, I will com- I will commit to watching it week to week, but also I'm like Loki mad about it. <laughs> Loki mad. <laughs> I just we, we heard what you did. Camera, sorry for y'all who missed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but I mean, anyway. I, I, I get it. Like, it's fun to binge, but I feel like there's something fun about getting each an episode each week and having time to speculate about it. I just about yeah. it. And, yeah, even though we're not, how much anywhere- I care about it is affects how I feel about that but also if I don't care about it that much having to watch it week to week makes me care about it less yeah <laughs> that's, that's fair you know what I mean well, like yeah. yeah you have to be invested to care about it week to week and like I'm like yeah I have I have a certain baseline investment in Marvel stuff but like I resent <laughs> having to wait because I would rather just I would rather just commit to being absorbed for six hours than have to like get it up again oh next God, week why? after the episode was not the best. You know? <laughs> I, I think I'm a slightly different creature because I'm totally about the water cooler type thing, yeah, right? I'm like you, Tracy. Yeah, I'm like, every week the, the show ends, I was like, I'm like, what? I know. Oh my God, what's going to happen? And I contemplate, I look online, check yes. stuff, talk to people about it, you know? Yes. And, and then the next thing like- happens and it just blows your mind again. You're yes. like, what? Yes. Yeah, but also yeah, again, I like, like the fact that everybody was like time. that. But I, I was just gonna say, is there something nice that was lost when we got streaming, when we got all these new ways of watching content or whatever? Um, I liked before that you know appointment television, or everybody watched the same thing on a Thursday night or whatever, and then everybody could talk about it. Like it was a communal experience. You knew that everybody is watching the show at the same time. Yeah. With with this, it's not quite the same because you can still stream it anytime you want, but. You, you do know that probably a lot of people are watching it the night it's released. So you, you are having that 
communal experience, which is sort of a fun thing to like have happen, right? If I was like in the office and actually spoke to people about it, I would probably feel differently. Yeah. Instead, Jess sees a bunch of shit on TikTok and tries to spoil me all the time. (laughs) Yeah, uh, people know I wait till Saturday. I wake up, I get my bowl of cereal, sit down and watch my show. It's good stuff. She gets super mad as she's scrolling through the TikToks and then inevitably lets something slip. But I'm just like, why? (laughs) Oh, wait, it's Wednesday. There's a Loki episode right now. Yeah, I know. Mm. It's going to get watched on Saturday morning with my bowl of cereal. (laughs) Right. Just Sunday Monday when Jess is home. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, look so. at the time. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I have to go because of reasons. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I get a message from you 20 minutes later, like, you won't believe what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I say about the Winter Soldier thing, though? I, I feel like, so it's like, I loved WandaVision. I thought every episode was amazing. I loved the way they and unfolded it sort of slowly so you didn't quite know what was happening. I like it was totally brilliant. I just didn't care for it, especially. Well, yeah, I think I think people have gotten disaccustomed to that style of storytelling. Yeah. So when it was released it's week to week, me. they were just like, I just don't I don't it understand. Was I just it's just not for me. But yeah. That's yeah. fair. And it's also not the model that people are accustomed to right now, as you were saying. But I, I feel like that was so good because it was also created for television and you couldn't tell that story really as one full blast thing because it was done in episodes of television right like every episode was a model of a specific genre of television and an episode of that show so it made sense in the format of watching it week to week in a show because those shows are all of a time when they were only shown that time like just the the format echoed the content is what i'm saying yeah. and it, yes. it was, it was cool was, how the episodes were different so, lengths too to yeah hear that but the Falcon and the Winter Soldier really basically was a big, long movie. Like that, mm-hmm. I don't think you needed to see week to week. Like they did have the odd cliffhanger, but not to the extent I felt of WandaVision or even Loki. I feel like I feel like that, the Winter Soldier, could have been like one big movie and I don't think I would have lost anything. Well, I also think that's why the- people dislike it. Like people well, dislike so it. The thing about, so the thing about that is that like, yeah, I mean, that's... It's very like it could have been a movie, but it, it was good yeah. that it was a series because you know there like there's room to get into like more personal stuff and like more details and whatever. But the thing is that like their filming got interrupted in the middle because of COVID, and the original storyline was a pandemic storyline mm. where what the terror like quote unquote terrorists were like stealing was a vaccine. So they had to pivot at the last minute and that's why it's like, it's a really fun like action series and then you get to the end and you're like, eh, it didn't really, there was, that didn't really make sense. There was no substance in the lot. Like, it didn't land, yeah. Hang on a second. <laughs> like, I, I there were some extremely that. conspicuous flaws with the storyline in this and it's because they had to like, yeah, they had to pivot at the last moment and that's interesting. so nothing quite made but- as much sense as it should have. And I think also it was intended to be the first series on Disney Plus, yeah. not WandaVision. And I think it's interesting that it was WandaVision first, though, because I didn't have very high expectations for WandaVision. Like, I I just didn't know. And I was blown away by how creative it was. So with that as a bar, I felt disappointed by Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. It was so yeah. traditional. 
No, that, yeah, no, Falcon and Winter Soldier got, it was not as good as it should have been in several different directions because of COVID. No. And that's a bummer. It is a bummer. Because I like a lot of good stuff in there. And like, and the actors are good. Like, I mean, I really like the actors. Right. And, and I think it did an important thing with the whole, you know, not being, um, what's the word? Like taking seriously how he would feel to be a black Captain America. Like they weren't flippant, maybe is the word about it, or, yeah, or casual. No, like they that, really kind of dug into it, which I thought- That deserved was. a series because that, like there's so many implications of that. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't, have done, that, you couldn't have done that well in a movie. Like it needed multiple episodes and it needed to have the time. It needed to unfold. But, yeah. yeah. But it was but, super well done. But I think Loki is as creative as, as WandaVision, like it's really like I had no idea what it would be about, and it, I couldn't have predicted it because it's invented this totally. Oh, it's totally thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a nutty thing, and I think that's but that's what I like about these Marvel shows. They are not comfort food. That's the normal thing. Like they're oh, reinventing it. Uh, yeah. After that last episode, fuck them. What? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. Don't say anything because I was also like, what the? Yeah. yeah. But. I feel yeah. like, okay, I can't say anything at all. Cause like, yeah. no, 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 I will not. Yeah. We yeah. will keep that to ourselves. For I am going to message you though. Cause I have a lot of time. No, I think I actually <laughs> am caught up. I think I was thinking of the one that comes out today because uh -huh. yeah. Anyway, yeah. there's some, some things happen that are quite confusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that we all shut down because we're like, we don't want to ruin anything for anybody. We cannot do this. Spoilers. I'm a total beast about people spoiling me. So I yeah. can't like, I oh, know. so am I. So am I. Yeah. I can't just ban yeah. Sean Archer is still terrified of me. <laughs> yeah. I was so like, I, I haven't seen it. Don't say a word. I have to say it automatically. Yeah. He accidentally spoiled me for something like five years ago. And I just like tore a strip off him. And now he's like, oh, no, I can't talk about it. What if she yells at me? <laughs> I think I spoiled something for Sean as well once and I, I made a point of not. Staying. I mean, you're probably more graceful about it than I am. I get really, <laughs> I get really, really, I like turn into like the Incredible Hulk the first time and then people just don't do it anymore because they're afraid. I spoiled a star is born for Leandra because I just assumed she knew how it ended because oh, no. I know. And she was just about to see it. I felt so bad because I really wanted her to watch it and like it because it's Gaga. I felt terrible. I actually bought her a card to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's spectacular. Um, I yeah. love it. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. That, that seems like a reasonable assumption that you would know how it ends. But anyway. I thought so, but... But I think a lot of people don't know about the other movies. and sure. Yeah, because that was the third one, right? Yeah. They made? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I've never watched any of them. I don't want to watch. What? Them. Oh my god! What? I haven't either, but I still know what happens. So. Oh my god! You haven't watched the Gaga Bradley Cooper movie. You know how I feel about Gaga. So, I know, but I mean, she got nominated for an Oscar. You should just do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'm gonna say this right now. Telling me something got nominated for an Oscar <laughs> reduces the chance of me watching it. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. <laughs> I usually watch so, Oscar movies, but I have not seen that one. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. No, it like that movie was even before it got nominated, it was never on my list of something I care to it's watch. Not for you. I, That's it's, yeah, it's just yeah. 
I just haven't seen it because I'm not good at watching things. So (laughs) (laughs) if you watch this now, I'd be like, oh, this is cool. But I, yeah. Yeah. It's still good. Anyway. Actually, I've been doing a lot of comfort watching. Yeah, we have gone very far from Hellboy. Um, But yeah, okay. I don't know. I also don't have a lot of notes for Hellboy, but that was because at a certain point in time, I just started watching the movie. And then, but I did want to bring up one thing. So on the D, it's a DVD, like special edition, blah, blah, blah. It's got a couple of discs and stuff. But I was looking at some of the extras on the disc, and one of them is a cartoon called Gerald McBoing Boing. Oh no. So so if you watch the movie watch Hellboy, when you first meet him, there is a cartoon going on on his TV. It is Gerald McBoingway. It's a, re- it's a real cartoon that was released in I should have looked this up, but a while ago. Uh, like when I say a while ago, I mean like the 1950s or some something like that. Anyway, so this the DVD has the four Gerald McBoing Boing cartoons i only watched the first one apparently he goes into space he goes to some wonderland i don't fucking know but the first one introduces gerald McBoing boing he is a boy who starts to talk but he doesn't talk he just goes boing boing uh that's his whole thing so he never learns to speak words but he makes sounds like all sorts of sounds of cars and trains blah, 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 blah. and i found it very interesting because it kind of um it kind of goes with Hellboy because he's a character that is has one he's there's one thing that he does and he does it well, but people are afraid of him and he can't just go and do it until he does something great and saves everybody. Hmm. And I just wanted to bring it up. But also Gerald McBoing Boy is a very depressing story, and I don't know why people would show this to children. Oh, what I was trying to come up with, there was an animated television show made of it at some mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They, in two thousand five, they did it. Like they did a new version of it for Cartoon Network. Thousand and five. Interesting. Yeah, but I just wanted to bring it up because I found it really depressing, but also very interesting <laughs> at the same time. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Anyways, so um, final thoughts on these movies. Um, well, one interesting thing, just in terms of how this all went down, is um, both movies, we ended up having a bit of a discussion about how, because they're older movies, part of the experience watching them now for people is that they may suffer because of all of the tropes that had been borrowed from those movies in later incarnations. So when you've seen all of the movies that they may have influenced and you've seen them more recently, you may not enjoy the original movie as much because it seems like a bunch of tropes, even though arguably they were earlier on in that whole thing. And so I thought that was sort of an interesting similarity in both of those movies. Agreed. Yes. Alex? Both our hero and our heroine ended up dating somebody they maybe shouldn't have who was potentially dangerous and also flammable. Um, I was looking for a sign that I've reached the end of my useful commentary. I think that was it. So. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't follow that up. I no, can't. That, like that's I don't, an excellent observation. <laughs> that, is, that is it. <laughs> well done, well done, Alex. Both also flammable. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh no, don't don't be sorry. Things I apologize. You don't have to be sorry about that because that was just that was you that know, was French perfect. Kiss. It was that perfect. was perfect. I love it. I love I it. I feel like that's the note on which we should end. <laughs> Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you so much for coming on for the episode. Thank you for having us. It was super fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at OhMyShelf, or you can send an email to OhMyShelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we'll be talking about high fidelity and hot fuzz. Hope you'll be here to listen. That really was a deep dive into Heather's. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know what you thought was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex called it. I actually, I even wrote a paper on Heather's when I was in university. I liked this movie so much. What? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It was good. I got an A. <laughs> nice. I mean, the movie is basically an essay in itself, though. It's like presenting its thesis so clearly, and there's so many, you know, things that are clearly there symbolically. Like, it's very, you know, it's an argument. <laughs> It is an argument, yes. Yeah. But it's I mean, also, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure why it doesn't resonate with me. Because as you said, you brought up Mean Girls, which is kind of close but different. But I don't know. This one just doesn't resonate with me the same way. It might and- have to do with what you said about the series where people are being so mean to each other. Like this one is more satirical, Mm -hmm. but they are being quite mean to each other and they are end up killing each other. And even with each other as friends, like when they're not, not the murderous people, but even the Heathers between themselves, like they're just really openly awful and mean to each other and they're not supportive at all. Like, you know, not everybody's gonna enjoy watching characters that are just really horrible. And even like the love interest character, like, He's psychotic too. Like it's a movie with very few redeeming characters. Well, I think maybe that's what it is. Like there's nobody likable in this movie. No. Not, not no. even like churchary characters. Like you feel sorry for what a dump truck, whatever. You feel kind of bad for her. Betty but Martha dump truck. No. Yeah, but like you don't feel you. You there's not that enough of a connection for you to be like oh i care about well, those characters are just stuff so right? in it, so those care the characters that you might feel something for are not in it at all hardly it like they're just yeah. they're just introduced as sort of background like yeah. you can't connect to those characters like the only characters that have anything to do with the plot and that you spend time with the are worst. generally terrible people so yeah. you just sort of have to like, and i get that that's somewhat off-putting mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you you can't you can't there's no one to hang on to that you yeah that you can like right and whereas I think in Mean Girls like you know Lindsay Lohan's character you actually you can see the progression from her being nice to being mean to being nice again and you you like her but yeah. even like her friends that she makes like the the gay guy and the the other girl yeah, Damien and Liz, yeah Liz. yeah like you actually you actually like them and you want to see things and you're like how could Lindsay do that that's so mean they're so yeah. nice to her so yeah. like you have you have that kind of like positive it's to much, it, you know. It's much, Mean Girls is a much more realistically presented movie. It's obviously still a movie version mm-hmm. of, of characters, but like they're, they're more traditional char- movie characters even. Like they're, yeah. you know, there's nice people, there's victims, there's heroes, and, and they're sort of meant to be a semblance of, of friends in high school. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Heather's, like there's no real friendship on display. It's all performative, right? It's, yeah. They're all mean to each other and they're just, like Winona's character says, it's like, 
they're my coworkers and our job is being popular and shit. Like yes. that's the line, yeah. she says, which is very good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all cleverness and, and sort of an arch kind of wit and, uh, and just sort of an exaggerated cartoonish. I, I just like everything about it. Like, I, <laughs> but, I, 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 but it's not warm and it's, there's no one to root for really. Mm. I think like I personally do root for Veronica. Like I accept that, you know, she's implicitly also bad because you know she gets caught up in things. Yeah. But I believe in her character generally as a good person that's trying and she's fallen into two different bad camps. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not hard for me to latch onto her. I, I you know, in spite of her flaws, it's just a part of that movie. But it's yeah. not like in Mean Girls where there's truly nice people that are helping her. And even, you know, like I said, in the, the Mean Girls in Mean Girls are not that bad. Yeah. They're unpleasant. They're rude. They're insecure and yeah. they're competitive and they're a little bitchy and petty, but they're not terrible people. Like, mm-hmm. they try. Well, I, I think that maybe that's what it is. Everybody in Mean Girls is humanized, whereas in. Heathers, they're not humanized at all. Like you just icons, right? Like they're kind of iconography. They're Mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's they're not meant to be realistic. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like like is there any weird quirky movie where you just kind of hate everybody that I enjoy? I don't know. Maybe like Napoleon Dynamite, I guess. The only movie I can think of that you and I have both watched is closer that Julia Roberts. Oh yeah. Her. I really like that movie. Yeah. I love that movie. And that's a quirky movie. And yeah. those characters are pretty bad. Like yeah. they all lie. Like arguably N- Natalie Portman's character is least bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly that's a movie with qualify it that way. Yeah. 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 Well, I think in that movie too, like um, I like the movie more for its use of language than the acting or like the structure. Because I think I said this when we did the episode, like after I watched that movie, I feel dirty. Like it feels gross, but there's no actual like nudity. There's no, there's no actual direct vibe. It's all in the language. And I find that, that yeah. And I find that fascinating. Like I find it so, so fascinating. Me too. That's why I I, I clearly am drawn to fucked up people in dark movies. I missed the beginning of this conversation, but one of my favorite things about Hannibal is that there's almost no gore, but it's so aggressively disturbing, but also yep. it was on regular cable. Like it was just like on primetime cable. That's one of the reasons why I had to stop watching it. I was like, no. I bring this up. I think I've told this to you guys. The Foley artist on that show made me nauseous and I had to stop watching it. Because, yeah. Ugh. But like, yeah, it's like you don't see a lot of like strike. Like you don't see the knife come down. You don't see that. But then it's like, they just fully vivisected somebody whose name we know. Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. Oh, oh. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Ah. Yeah. Okay, do it. I'm I here. have not watched that show, but I feel like it might be, like, I, yeah. I, 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 feel like, I feel like super dark black horror is maybe too alienating for me. Like, it needs if to. You, I feel like you'd know by the second episode. The first episode of Hannibal is, like, not the best, and we were all kind of iffy about it. And then after the second episode, we were just like, woo, this is the best <laughs> And, like, and by we, I mean Mike and Leah and I, and we're all, like, super fans. So, yeah. Yeah. Second episode is deeply, deeply fucked. In a way I would never have contemplated. So I was just like, oh, God, it's so hard to surprise me. And I am, like, shocked and appalled. <laughs> <laughs>